Ladies and gentlemen, we, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. It is Tuesday, the 6th day of February. Did you hear the music? No? I've got to tell you something. Uh, we, we are four minutes late for our, our broadcast. If you watched Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace, you got a taste of the mainstream media, the corporate media, the uh, the, the mass, me, mass media, um, having a, uh, a glitch in their in their broadcasting system. We too, 55 seconds before airtime, blew, blew a circuit. And, uh, now it takes a lot of power to ramp everything up. And, and I just want to say for those people who support us, thank you very much because what you see here, uh, and I'll share this with, I, I, it's really no secret, I guess, but I'll share this with everyone to power this studio on a monthly basis. Electric wise, it's about a thousand dollars a month. Oh, I can I can see that there's so much equipment uh, here. It's um, it's it's a th- really, and it's not it's not an inexpensive date. I mean, what a, fa- a house, a normal sized house with a family of four probably runs you know two two fifty a month. Yeah, my, now my yeah, home bills, my yeah, my home bills are two and a quarter, um, but then I've got an office in my home in addition to. But but anyway, um, so. Welcome to the Hagman Report. We're four minutes late coming out of the gate, but I've got to give credit to, to everyone here. I've got to give credit to Joe, to Eric the Tech especially, and to John. Three guys uh, really running to the rescue and, and working like a well-oiled machine to get us back up. And uh, Jackie, of course, did, uh, she's here in the studio, and, and she played a, a good part as well. Yeah, it was her um, fault the power went out. Thanks, Jackie. No, you, you know, it, it's <laughs> it's almost as if you uh, flip a switch and, bam, everything just goes off. But but having said that, we are back up, and there's a lot of news to get into. I, I do want to plug our independent shows, the Hagman Daily Show, of course, with John and Joe from... 2 to 3 p.m. on Eastern Time. And just and real quick, Doug Hagman Radio Show from 9 to 10. We had Stephen Menking on today for about 20 I, minutes. I'm not hearing you. He came in and gave this... us a, an economic update as what, what was going on with the stock market oh, and not the fluctuations in. in the stock market as well as the Bitcoin. As Bitcoin's down around 7,000, which it was at, what, 16,000 just a few weeks ago. So it, there was a good show. And then, as you said, the Doug Hagman Radio Show. 9 to 10 a.m. And as John said earlier, if you only have one hour a day to listen to something, listen to the Doug Hagman radio show because all the information in there is relevant to what is happening well, too in kind. the world of politics. That's John's words, not mine. I was going to say, wait a minute now. Uh, well, well, thank you for that. And, and you know, um, what we're trying to do here collectively, and I, and I think that you can see by uh, the integration or, or the overlap with InfoWars, what we're trying to do is, is really uh, circle the wagons around the alternative media because one thing that's taking place right now, and, and I think you, I think everyone can feel this, the closer that we get over the target, the bigger we, the bigger targets we are. Okay, now 
that's fine when you've got the resources and the people and the uh and and the uh camaraderie the alliances when you're working together for independent broadcasters that don't have that uh, I shouldn't say independent, but for smaller broadcasters that don't have that, something like a, um, a litigation, a, a frivolous litigation, can bankrupt you. So anyway, the, the reason I brought this up is because as we look, uh, as we look in the days ahead, and, and I think Joe, you can back me up on this. We're, we're going to be hitting some pretty bumpy times, especially the closer over the target we are. Yep. And um, this is where we're at today. And one thing I like to say, and then I'll turn it over to you to, to, for the news. And we've got a great show lined up for you too. Um, but one thing I'd like to say is this. We are all born for this time. We are all here for this time for a reason. We all have jobs to do. And this is something that, that I really, in, in my heart of hearts, having thought about this, um, really believe that we all have a role to play in what is about to play out in the in the very near future. So all of you as listeners and all of you who are broadcasting in the alternative media or the honest media and all of you who are listening that are part of the uh, corporate media and those people, the police officers who are listening, the, um, the FBI agents, and yes, we have FBI agents who, who listen, who are, are friends of the program, and people inside of inside of certain Washington D.C. circles, outside of the the muck, uh, who are listening, we all have our parts to play. And and the other part of that is God does not make any junk. Uh, and I say that to, to mean that we all, even even though we don't, we might not feel like we are up to the task, or maybe we don't feel like like we are made to do anything and you're looking for that specific what do I do now all right that's the time for really some knee time some prayer time and and, and some some real reflection as to okay what what do I need to do and i think the answers will come to all of us um but but uh, i don't want to wax philosophically or wax uh, um well, no, never mind. Uh, I, I just want to just say that as a matter of, in, in my view, as a, as a matter of, of purpose. So having said that, um, let's get right into this. Joe, you showed me a document right before airtime. And yeah. uh, let's talk about this because this is part of something that's going to be larger in terms of the release. Go ahead. All right. Now I have to pull this up on... Uh, my computer here. Yeah, don't don't say but, any websites. No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, so what was released is very interesting. There was a document dump from Anthony Weiner's computer where every phone number and address for all the contacts he had equaling to 639 politicians and media personalities had their personal information released from their emails, phone numbers, and home addresses. These include people like Janet Napolitano, uh, Eric Holder, Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, uh, numbers of senators, Jake Tapper I saw in there. And we have been talking about, uh, since the computer of Anthony Weiner was, was confiscated, tying it into the Hillary Clinton email scandal, this was why the reason that Comey had to announce the reopening of the email investigation during in October during the presidential election. We know McCabe learned of the emails on Anthony Weiner's computer over a month before 
Comey announced the reopening of the investigation. That's one thing that the Inspector General's report is going to show, and we have news on that also. But you, Dad, have been talking about the NYPD and some of the contents on Anthony Weiner's computer, and you talk about a, a source you have inside the NYPD, and, and we're told to watch for uh, some of these things to come out. Now, I don't know if this was one of those things that we are to watch for, but you believe this is an indicator of something much bigger happening. I, I do. And, and I would say this, that more will follow. Now, this will, I'm sure this will be made public on various other forums, but uh, th- this is one of more, I mean, more will come out. Uh, th- this, think of it this way. This is kind of a postcard to those people who thought that the information on the Wiener laptop on the Huma Abedin devices was gone. This is a reminder, a courtesy reminder, kind of like, hey, you know, we haven't gone away. And to those people who have, um, who have really gone after us, uh, when I appeared on Alex Jones back in November of last year, or it was maybe late October, right after the the uh, uh, announcement that, that about the about the um, uh, the Wiener laptop uh, information, and I had said, look, they've got the information, uh, and people say, well, why haven't they released it? Yeah, because not, not, it, now, it, this will be released, but it's being done incrementally. Go ahead. Someone says that this drop was from November. 2016 it very well could be which if it was I don't remember seeing that but well way. again this is more or less a courtesy reminder and I just want to make, make that announcement it doesn't matter if this was first published on November 1st and did not get the traction and I don't remember seeing this document which is again more or less like an address book from the, the Wiener laptop computer but to have it resurface today is in, indicative of a reminder that the good guys have not gone away. And the game is being fought on a number of levels, or the war, I should say, not a game, but the war is being fought on a number of levels. And, and, and this is one of those um, very important reminders. So having said that, um, it, 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 it's absolutely incredible. And, and what is about to happen? With respect to additional memos, uh, okay, yeah, this is Grassley and Graham, right? Okay, so Kennedy talked about this. And uh, Senate releases memo 2.0, and it should scare you. This is from Fox News. Senator Chuck Grassley and Lindsey Graham have released a heavily redacted, revealing copy of their criminal referral against Christopher Steele, the author of the the dossier, and. Uh, this goes on to say that Graham and Grassley tell us while working on the second dossier for the Clinton opposition research firm Fusion GPS, Steele was being fed information directly from the Obama State Department and from Clinton allies as well as his usual sketchy Russian sources. And this is what we talked about last night, the Obama administration State Department involvement in uh, feeding the information for the second dossier. And this whole thing is is just getting crazy uh, the media is continuing to double, triple down, uh, trying to say that this FISA memo is, uh, looks bad for Trump, 
they're really they voted to release the democratic memo that Adam Schiff created. (laughs) Full stop right there. Do you know the vote to release the Democratic memo was unanimous? Okay, now think, I want everyone to think about that. You've got the Democrats and Republicans, but more, really, the progressives versus, the, the communists versus the patriots. Let's just say that. Well, that's the truth. Okay, so, but having that memo voted on in a unanimous fashion, should tell everything, should tell, uh, tell us everything we need to know. You're talking about full transparency here. And how important is that? The yeah. full transparency. And, and will who, Trump fight it or will he let it be released? <laughs> in, in the words of uh, Donald Trump, you figure that one out. I think he should let it come out. No, he will. Look, uh, this is about transparency and this is about, uh, the right. the amount of information that's about to be released. They're calling for the actual FISA yes. warrants, the, the under, underlying the original documents that the Nunez memo was was uh, comprised of. They are there's already petitions and calls and um, actions to have those actual original pieces of information released. So there will be absolutely no confusion and no room for spin, uh, partisan spin from the left or from the right. We'll be able to see it right from the read it right from the horse's mouth, read it right from the horse's mouth. We'll be able to understand. I, I, I like that mental image that I got from that. <laughs> Here, open up, uh, Mr. Ed. Go ahead. But the, uh, this, this other memo in the Senate talks about the Clinton influence in this second dossier and the collusion with Russia. It also talks about that evidence that Mr. Steele materially misled the FBI about key aspects of yes. the dossier, one which bears on his credibility, they wrote. And it goes on to say the memo details how the steel was using his first phony dossier to brief several mainstream media outlets. Uh, you know, the folks who bring you fake news. Uh, this is from Fox News. But, and we know the FBI and the DOJ were shopping this around. And he was paid by the FBI. Christopher Steele was paid by the FBI and by the Clinton campaign. So we have two dossiers and we have, uh, media articles based on these dossiers, which were the whole sum of what was used to get the five. That's correct. Against Carter Page and in the, by default, the whole, uh, anybody Carter Page interacted with. That's right. And, and please understand, as I mentioned earlier, a couple of, th- understand a few things. Um, I, I really would like, and I, and I would, I'm asking you out there who are listening and viewing this to go back to my show this morning. John said it was a good show. Um, I guess, th- thank you. Uh, but go back to my show this morning and, 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 and yesterday morning both and listen to them both because number one, there is a huge difference between a FISA 702 warrant and a Title I warrant. We went over this a little bit last night, but I go into detail in my morning show. That's number one. Number two, understand this is not um, a, this is not a small issue. What we are watching here is the absolute um, exposure of the Obama regime, their weaponization of the Department of Justice and the FBI against Donald Trump, with Hillary Clinton colluding with Obama, even though there's not a lot of like and trust between the two. It's it's the entire scandal is a crime. We shouldn't even use the word scandal. This is a crime, and it lies at the feet of Obama, or on the desk of Obama. 
and Loretta Lynch as a co-conspirator along with Hillary Clinton down the line benefiting from this. The money came from the, the Clintons in addition to the FBI to steal for the, the misinformation and the deliberate uh, attacks against Donald Trump. We are seeing an assault on our national, on our nation, on, on our constitution, on our ability to govern as a, as a republic. That's what this is all about. And by the way, I mentioned this on my morning show, and, and we can talk about this. In September of 2017, True Pundit ran an article from their investigative bureau about six intelligence agencies that formed this uh, uh, stealth force, as it was called, that uh, really was was cobbled together to go after our democracy to to install Hillary Clinton, which didn't work. John Brennan was the head of this, and uh, of course, not just to install uh, Donald or Hillary Clinton, but to destroy Donald Trump. And, and and the end game objective here was a continuation of Obama's eight years by Hillary's expected eight years, with the end game objective being the complete destruction of our nation, our sovereignty, and turning it from a constitutional republic legal, I mean, from a constitutional republic into um, a communist quote, utopia. That was the objective. So we've got to think bigger than we're thinking, and that's one thing, and I'll mention this only as a passing reference. That's one thing that, you know, the, the Q and non posts to think bigger, I would urge everyone to think bigger. All right. Think bigger when you're looking at the various disparate or seemingly disparate situations. So I, I won't uh, I won't take any more of the time. Um, by the way, tonight we've got Jack Posobiec uh, joining us at the bottom of the hour, followed by Shastina Ilov or now Shastina Sandman, with Brad Thomas, Shane Hazel, and then of course rounding it out with Stan Dale. So it's a full deck tonight. Yeah, and ahead, the uh, well, one thing that's going to be interesting, Posobiec's going to be talking about his. New book, 4D Warfare, 4D Warfare, and Shastina and Brad Thompson are going to be talking Thomas. about, I'm sorry, Thomas, the Trump factor, unlocking the secrets of the Trump campaign. Then from 8.30 to 9, we're going to have Shane Hazel. He is a, a congressional candidate in the 7th District of Georgia. And then we close it out with Stan Deo. So it's going to be uh, really just a great show, a full show jam-packed with, with tons of great guests and information. Now, don't forget, bookmarkhagmanreport.com. That is our website. Uh, there you can find all the radio shows. Not only that, but you can also find uh, the news articles that are curated, as well as the original content from authors like Peter Barry Chowka. Also, and our sign show. up for Patreon. We, due to the Super Bowl this Sunday, last Sunday, we moved our Patreon broadcast to this coming Sunday, which is usually the first Sunday of every month. And because of that, we have an extra week here to remind people that we're going to be having that this Sunday. And if you want to Join be us. a part of that, go to Patreon. Uh, you sign up to do the monthly donation of $25. And then every Sunday, the first Sunday of the month, we sit down and have a roundtable discussion with all the listeners who want to participate in that. And it's been, uh, we've done two so far and we're going to continue to do that. And again, that will be this Sunday at 7 p.m. for the Patreon. Uh, subscribers. Now, the Inspector General, this is from uh, an article I curated on Hagman Report from the Hill. Inspector General poised to reignite war over Clinton's FBI email case. And 
the person who is the IG, Horowitz, Michael Horowitz, we've been talking about him over the last few weeks in this investigation. Horowitz at the Department of Justice, Inspector General, is increasingly a critical player in the controversy surrounding the Trump-Russia investigation. This is huge, by the way. little fanfare, he has been conducting a sprawling probe of the FBI's handling of the 2016 investigation into Hillary Clinton's use of a private server. His report, which would set off shockwaves, is expected by early spring. Uh, and, and some of the uh, information that they are looking at in, is Andrew McCabe and James Comey's behavior and handling of the Hillary Clinton email case, as well as other FBI agents like Peter Strauch with the text messages that came out. And I'm sure, uh, as some say here, that Horowitz, they say, is one of the smartest and fairest people that uh, they've ever had the pleasure of working with, that from Bill Hamill. And they say he has a reputation, and they say his reputation will be put to the test when it comes to this case specifically. And he, no matter what he concludes, this author says, it's going to likely create a political firestorms coming at a time when both Republicans and the White House are charging that political bias is rampant at the Justice Department and the FBI. And it matters, by the way. Mm-hmm. It no, does no, matter. no, no. Again, no, pay, pay attention to Horowitz. I just want to say this, and, and then give it back to you. You've got to pay attention to this, uh, the OIG report. Don't, don't fall into the trap of listening to what people are saying. Where he came from. This is an Obama appointee, and his lack of service or lack of uh, um, work before now, because he, okay, but he, he was unleashed. You can make the argument, though. Say he comes out and says that the FBI did nothing wrong in their handling of the Hillary email case. The right's going to go crazy. Absolutely, they will. Say he but comes back you, and says you, the FBI did mishandle. Yes. The left's going to go crazy. And, and believe me when I tell you, there are. That's not a small issue. Okay, and, and think about this. What, what, what would this nation look like if all of the crimes? But committed by the people on top were just exposed. What would happen? Well, it would hurt at first, I, I'm sure. Um, but after the initial shock and whatever the results from that shock are, things would be much better. But do you think that that our leadership right now has the responsibility of making sure that you know the wheels don't fly off of this bus when it, when everything is exposed? So, so it's being done incrementally. Don't expose corruption all at once because of the potential fallout. No, I would say prioritize what you're exposing. You can do it in a very compressed time frame, mm-hmm. but because people have to understand it. Well, that's my, all I'm saying. My question is: so the Inspector General states his findings, right? Say he says the FBI um, mishandled or, or you know, screwed up the investigation intentionally or otherwise. What is the next step or steps after that? I guess you watch prosecution. Okay. Well, we'll. We'll pick up on the other side. We're up against the break. Jack Kosobik is going to be joining us, but I think we'll have a few, first few minutes to finish talking about this Inspector General yeah, report and what that. could the outcome be depending on what he, his findings are. We'll be right back to listening to the Hagman Report on this Tuesday edition.
Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Hagman Report. We're going to be joined by Jack Pasobic in just a few moments. But first, we're going to hit some news while we uh, bring him on. How many people saw that SpaceX launch today? Uh, I had the chance to, to watch it um, live on TV, and that was pretty neat. It was the uh, most powerful rocket ever uh, launched. And what was really interesting about it is it had two um, burners on each side. I don't even know what you call them that detached once you got past a certain altitude. And these things came down and landed uh, at the same time. They came back down landed unmanned. Controlled descent. Which was really cool to watch. But if you haven't seen the video, go on uh, YouTube or uh, you could probably find it on, on the news. It was pretty cool to see and to see the precision of these things uh, unmanned being coming back down from space at uh, you know thousands of miles an hour. To, to land perfectly on a little, you know, 10, 10 foot by 10 foot circle. It was pretty cool to watch. Anyway, uh, that was going on today. Also, we have more on uh, what we talked about, the release of the underlying materials that made up the Nunez uh, Faisal memo, the motion of Adam Goldman and Charles Charlie Savage, and the New York Times Company for publication of court records has requested the release of the Faisal warrant. And there is a, uh, I'll post this on Hagman Report. It's a, it's a public filing for the U.S. Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. And it is a, uh, a docket, a motion. And it, it's a PDF, but I'll make sure we post that up there. They're calling for the underlying materials to be released so that the American people will have all the information and they can kind of take this partisanship out of the fight. Not that they will because we know the media are just rabid liars and hyenas. And it's crazy to see the spin that they have tried to um, use against Trump and against Nunez, everything from he's a Russian agent to it's the Russian bots who are promoting this. And today, you know, Trump gave a press conference or had a rally somewhere, and uh, he was talking about the State of the Union address and how the, the left would not even stand up and cheer for the national anthem, how they would not stand up and cheer or, or uh, clap for the heroes that were shown there and that were uh, uh, celebrated there. They would not clap for the historic low unemployment or the tax, anything. They, they, he called it anti-American. And somebody said it's treason. And he made a joke and said, yeah, well, you know, you can call it treason. And he laughed. The media today, for hours, hour after hour, were interviewing these pundits, asking them, oh, is it, was this funny? Was he serious? You know, is, is Trump... Is Trump ready to unleash his dic- dictator powers and, and clamp down on us? And it just unbelievable the spin that they come up with. It never. I, I'm always surprised by how far out out there they go. But everything from uh, Trump's a Russian agent to this FISA memo hurting him in some way. And and if he fires Rosenstein, it's obstruction of justice. If he fires Mueller, it's obstruction of justice, on and on and on. You've got, anyway. the, two, you've got the two elements, as I mentioned, I think, maybe yesterday, with respect to obstruction of justice. You've got the uh, the firing of Comey. Think about that as an element for a case for obstruction of justice, as well as the potential firing of Mueller or thereof. And you've got to go back to 1973 and 2000, um, when you're looking at the what is now the Office of, uh, of, of Independent Counsel, uh, in the position back in 73 as a special prosecutor and in, in 2000 as a uh, special counsel to get the underlying laws that govern this. But 
also, don't forget, when we're talking about this, we had mentioned Michael Horowitz before the break. Now, after this break, and I'm going to just kind of put, put this in the back of your minds, is very simple. Think of the role GCHQ, or British Intel, MI6, had in the circumventing of the U.S. laws into the wiretapping uh, of Donald Trump as a, as a citizen, a candidate, and a president-elect uh, president and a president. All right, we, do we have our guest? Yes, on? we do. All right, Jack Posobiec is always a, a crowd pleaser. You can follow him at Jack Posobiec on, um, on Twitter and, of course, his website, Citizens for Trump. He's got a great book with the same name and another one coming out soon. Jack Posobiec, welcome to the Hagman Report. Welcome back, sir. Hey, it's so great to be on, guys. I know it's been a couple of weeks, and but honestly, it feels like it's been years because in any other time, you know, we'd say, oh, it's been a couple of weeks. You know, we, there's been a few things that have happened. But today, these days, it feels like a couple of weeks is a lifetime with everything that happens. I feel like uh have to be on minute to minute to keep up with all of these updates, and it's so great to watch you guys be able to do that and kind of call these balls and strikes as they're coming. Well, it, it, well thank you for, for that great compliment coming from you. We I, I gotta tell you, it's a fantastic compliment. Uh, Jack, you've got the floor because your time is limited. And you're very busy. Start out wherever you want to start out. We've got a whole, I mean, pick a topic, you know. Um, what do you think is most important right now to, to really get into? In well, I think the fact that, and I'd, I'd like to kind of go back for a second and take a 30,000 foot view of what people are now calling the FISA controversy. I called it FISA gate. Uh, many weeks ago, starting out when this memo first was, the first memo was being talked about as being released. And I just wanted to say that how incredible it is and how much of an impact it's already been having in Washington, D.C., that these issues, like the FISA warrant, like the FISA court, are even being discussed out in the public sphere. You know, I've, I was, um, I'm from Philadelphia, and so I was back home, uh, to watch to watch the game with my family, the big Super Bowl. There you and go. so many people were coming up to me asking, Jack, what's going on with these secret courts? Are they wiretapping Trump? I didn't know the government could do this. And it really took me out of my element for a second because, you know, my, myself, guys like you and the, the listeners of this show, we're here every day. We're here in some cases 24-7 going through these issues and talking about these things, really digging into the weeds to find out what's going on and find out the information that people would rather we didn't find out. But what's going on outside of the political sphere, sort of in the, you know, normie land, as we call it, People are actually starting to talk about this stuff, and people are actually saying, you know what, I don't want my government to have secret courts that allow for spying on U.S. citizens based on uh, Yahoo News reports and some unfounded dossier that was paid for by, well, in this case, paid for by Hillary Clinton and the Democrat Party. And it's really going to be very impactful, I think, on the midterms coming up 2018 time, because we're now starting to get this sense uh, that there's some actual teeth to the allegations that President Trump made when he was candidate Trump on the campaign trail of rigging, right? He always said, the system is rigged, the system is rigged. And then at, even after his election, after he was inaugurated, he, his wiretap tweet back in early Mar March of 2017, now a lot of that is starting to kind of come true for people that are outside of the political sphere in the public realm. People are now reading this memo. People are talking about these issues. And when it comes down to it, whether you're left or right, I think this is just good for America. I think this is good for the health of our republic. 
the heartbeat of any t- form of democracy that we have, that we're talking about what powers we've given to the police state, that we've given to the national security agencies, these federal surveillance powers, and whether or not we should rein them in. And one of the things that uh, I started talking about last week, and then Sarah Carter, another independent journalist, started talking about, was the Church Committee back in 1975. And that was really the first time that Americans uh, in that generation, post-Watergate, uh, post-Pentagon Papers, learned about these massive government spying programs that were being conducted on uh, the domestic audience, on people they thought were maybe political dissidents or, in some cases, political opponents, as we saw with J. Edgar Hoover, Martin Luther King, of course, uh, infamously being one of those. So now it's being talked about again, and I personally, for one, have been saying we need a new church committee. We need a new committee to talk about this domestic spying going on by our intelligence services on the American people, and I think this may end up being the catalyst for that. Jack, you said a whole lot there, and and you're right on the money. Uh, I mean, the incredible ways that the government has been abusing its power, and what we're talking about with the with these FISA courts and the the uh, foreign spying is minuscule when you look at the uh, other capabilities of other law enforcement agencies and uh, government agencies like the NSA, like the FBI, and their ability to basically monitor any and all communications, whether it's text, email, phone call. Uh, it doesn't matter, and and, categ- and and gather all these, save them, and basically, you know, keep everything on file. Everything uh, is monitored, it seems. But this is is so much worse because, and what really bothers me about this is that the fact that it's been turned into such a partisan partisan issue. When you have a president of the United States, President Obama, and you have uh, Hillary Clinton in the State Department, and she's then candidate. And you have these agencies being weaponized and used to spy on political opponents based on paid-for opposition research. And everybody's involved in this, including the media. And they work to undermine Trump. They work to, to make sure he doesn't get elected. Then they work to make sure that he is investigated and impeached if he does get elected with the help of the media. And they're all covering this up. And they've been caught and they've been exposed. And yet here we are, and, and we're, we're sitting here, the information's out, and yet it's still a, part, a partisan debate in the news. And the media is still attacking Trump, trying to say that this makes it look bad for Trump. The whole thing is just is absolutely crazy. And to, to put the icing on the cake, the House Intelligence Committee knew of the ways that the Obama administration abused the FISA court, yet they reauthorized it and gave it more power just a few weeks ago. Do we understand why they did that? You know, honestly, a lot of people are going back and looking at that vote for the reauthorization. And from my understanding, it's really that the political capital wasn't quite there yet uh, for a discussion of these programs, for a discussion of meta- bulk metadata collection, uh, for a discussion of any of the vast powers that we've given the federal government over us, because people in the public sphere aren't quite as in the know as those of us outside of it are. And so for those people, it becomes very easy for those congressmen uh, like Adam Schiff right now, who seems to be very much on the side of government surveillance, which is interesting because if you go back to 2013, we've actually pulled up a clip yeah. of Adam Schiff uh, going on Russia TV, right, Russia Today, RT, talking about the need for less uh, tra- or excuse me, let more transparency in the FISA warrants and a, a declassification bill that he 
himself wrote. Yep. So here we are five years later, and it's Adam Schiff saying the exact opposite thing and arguing for more government domestic surveillance because it fits his political purposes. And so I think that with all of this corruption now coming to light, coming out, we're generating more and more political capital so that people in their homes, people in the Midwest, people in the suburbs, people who aren't in you know sort of the D.C. beltway uh, or tied into the political sphere will understand these issues, will understand what's actually going on and start to call their representatives, call their senators and say, you know what? I may disagree with somebody's politics, but I don't think it's fair for the government to be wiretapping political opponents. That's not the America that I want to live in, and I think we should do something about it. And that's really what the Church Committee accomplished in 1975, Frank Church. Of course, a Democrat. Yep. So this isn't really even a partisan thing that I'm talking about, but he talked about it, and he warned about the dangers of the power that we've given. Go. I mean, I went back and looked at some of his statements. He said, look at the, we've given the government these abilities to to pull messages out of the air you know and he's saying this in 75 talking about the telephone and telegram but it's it works just as easily for today and and he warned about the dangers of this being used for politics well here we are today and and it's all come true you know someone actually said to me at an event recently they said you know when all you young people we're talking about the Patriot Act. Us old guys told you not to do it because we told you that this would be used for politics. And it looks like we were right. And I turned and said, yep, you were right. You were 100% right. <laughs> That's right. And by the way, it was on, on the, the, the infamous Meet the Press uh, interview on August 17th, 1975. Senator Frank Church, as you mentioned, the Democrat, who came came out and, and talked about the NSA without mentioning its name uh, uh, or mentioning it by name. So very interesting times. And in retrospect, as you just said, uh, you know, we were warned, uh, or uh, the you know we get this. Um, uh, will there be prosecutions from this? Do you think? The well, the latest that I've seen now is that Senator Grassley is actually calling for a criminal investigation into Chris Steele, this British former British spy for MI6, who is compiling this report. You know, I think it's interesting that uh, people will talk about Russian interference in the election, but nobody seems to talk about. Uh, have a problem with Hillary Clinton hiring a British, uh, a foreign spy to go and do her dirty work for her throughout Europe and then the FBI to, uh, to pay for this guy's expenses while he's running around collecting intel reports from Russians on President Trump or candidate Trump at the time. So they're now calling for a criminal investigation into his activities, uh, and potentially and if you actually look at, uh, at the finding that he released from the Senate committee that there may be an element of connection, and I don't want to go too far with this, there may be an element of connection with the Obama State Department involved in this as well, providing information either to Steele or being one of the links between Steele and the FBI. So the fact that Obama's Justice uh, State Department may have been involved in this, this under John Kerry, of course, not uh, Hillary Clinton was running for president, uh, was no longer Secretary of State, but that opens up a huge new path pathway there, and a lot of questions about how this uh, opposition research, as it's called, was done, what legalities there were of it, and uh, and quite frankly, what meddling was done in our election on behalf of these spies. So there might be an investigation into him, which could very well ensnare his client, uh, namely the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee. Um, we're also looking at Nunez has made a few statements talking about another memo he is working on. I'm told it's actually a series of memos that he's compiling 
Uh, and the first one, I should say the second one, because he's already released the first, that the next one to drop will be regarding the Obama State Department's activities during the time that all this was going on. Because certainly, while you have so much of this going on overseas, uh, it seems, it stands to reason that the State Department would be involved in one way or another of the information flow, or at least have some semblance of an idea of what was going on. It appears that they did, and in, instead of inhibiting it or, or stopping the flow of information, they may have actually aided the Hillary campaign and aided the creation of this dossier. And, you know, you, you just said a whole lot there, Jack. And what's so amazing about this, and I'm calling this the biggest political scandal in modern American history. It's a crime, not is, a scandal. This spans not only from the handling of the Hillary Clinton email matter or investigation to what we see with the Trump-Russia probe. And uh, what do you think is going to happen? It's come out. We see, we know James Comey leaked information. He exonerated or wrote the exoneration of Hillary Clinton before he did the interview or even the investigation. We know Peter Strauch was directly involved in not only that whole process, but also in the attempt to undermine Trump with his insurance policy and other Trump-biased texts. Why is Peter Strauch still working at the FBI one? And do you believe we're going to see criminal prosecutions from the information we know so far? And if so, who do you think is going to fall? Uh, who's, who's going to be held accountable? Uh, one thing that I've heard recently, I uh, haven't been able to fully confirm it yet, but have heard is that Peter Strzok has lawyered up at this point and that he is looking to hire legal counsel to represent him. He is expecting uh, there to be there to be some comeuppance for what's going on. He is expecting consequences for all of these activities that are coming out. And what's interesting is that up until the time he actually officially retires is that he is subject, uh, he's still subject to FBI administrative uh, uh, punishment. Yep. So time. they don't even need really to go all the way towards um, admonishment for a criminal case. They could still fire him, take his pension away, and all of the, I guess, 19, you know, 19 years and 11 months that he's been there or so, if, if he's looking at his 20 year pension, uh, would, would be for naught because he would not be able to get a pension at that point and all of his time would go away. Then he would still be facing other potential criminal litigation, uh, for these activities. And certainly number one of those being the fact that he remained part of the Hillary Clinton email investigation while his wife was uh, was running for the United or U.S. or it's not for U.S. Virginia State Senate. His wife Jill was running for U.S. State Senate uh, and received hundreds of thousands in donations from Clinton allies. Did not recuse himself. Remained part of the email investigation uh, regardless of this amazing and and quite outrageous. Um, conflict of interest in that case, as well as the fact that there are numerous regulations preventing FBI agents and certainly FBI officials from getting involved in domestic political campaigns. Uh, it's certainly fine if his wife wanted to run, but he should have absolutely built a firewall between himself and that campaign. There are, are strict federal regulations on this, and certainly when it comes to the FBI getting directly involved in political campaigns. You know, there's um, so much here. There's so much in this story uh, and so many different uh, personalities and, and people and uh, crimes. It's just unbelievable what we have learned. And can you imagine, if Hillary Clinton was president, we would know none of this. None of this would have come in the open. This is why I believe when we saw the reactions from the media on that night in November in 2016, they were so worried. They were, they were, they were shocked. And I believe because this is something that 
uh, might come out in some of these reports, but they'll never be held legally accountable. But the media is just as involved, if not more so, than the FBI is in this conspiracy to clear Clinton and to incriminate Donald Trump. And, I mean, they were uh, given leaks and information, strategic hit pieces put out there uh, to make Trump look bad. What is it, Jack, about everybody who seems to uh, speak out against Trump in a, in, or pull stunts like Kathy Griffin, you know, with the severed Trump head, uh, or the celebrities, any other celebrities who attack him, how come they always end up uh, are the ones who have their careers ruined or end up looking like fools? Same thing with CNN and the other news media organizations. You know, they've done nothing but lie about Trump for the last year and a half, and yet they still double down on their lies. But the American people have seen through them, and uh, they have no credibility. It, can Trump continue this momentum to be uh, what they call the Teflon Don, as he's been so far? Honestly, he doesn't need to as much because uh, Donald Trump, uh, he is he is many things, uh, certainly a man with, with pros and cons, strengths and weaknesses, but one of his absolute uh, incredible attributes is his ability to drive his enemies uh, to mortal self-destruction yes. and just lose their minds completely. Uh, and none... No example I can think of better than that of Newsweek right now. If you guys have been oh, following yeah. that yeah. story, uh, they've gone from the point of where they called Hillary Clinton was going to win, and of course everyone remembers that Madam that sort President. of uh, erroneous cover they printed with with Madam President on it. Um, still trying to track down one of those. I want to get one of those and get Trump to sign it. That's my it's my dream. <laughs> okay. But now they've gone from being under investigation by. Uh, by the NYPD and, and potentially federal or federal investigators to all, to firing their editors, firing their senior writers and essentially shutting down operations. We were told, uh, yesterday. I haven't gone back to look to see if they've restarted operations yet, but it appears there's a scandal where they've been losing traffic, uh, like crazy. And so what they were actually doing to kind of boost up their numbers uh, was to purchase traffic to make essentially fake traffic for their website uh, from that. bots, basically, yeah. and then going and selling that fake traffic to advertisers. Well, somebody got caught wind of it and realized this is not real traffic. Nobody is, is clicking or buying any of our products that are advertised on Newsweek. And as anyone knows, Newsweek's coverage in the past year and a half, really since, I really want to say it since Trump won the election, has gotten further and further leftist. It's got completely unfair, gross distortions of truth, uh, reporting left-wing conspiracy theories as fact, uh, making up uh, fraudulent claims, attacking people for uh, nothing other than supporting Trump. They made up actually a conspiracy theory about me on my wedding day, believe it or not, back on November 5th. They said that I was busy uh, uh, tweeting about the church shooting that happened that day, and I said, no, I'm actually walking down the aisle. I haven't been involved in anything with, with to do this thing. I didn't even know that the thing happened. So to watch Newsweek implode, I wonder, will that be a... A, a signal to the rest of the media that you should not go down this road of being virulently anti-Trump. Simply get back towards objectivity, get back towards facts. It's fine if you want to have a bias, right? It's perfectly fine with that, but stick Absolutely. to facts. Don't go smears and don't go to the extreme. And one one other topic I wanted to hop on uh, right before sure. I got off today that you mentioned about people uh, being prosecuted well, it seems that one of the first silver linings that we might be seeing throughout all of this uh, in the wake of the release of the memo is General Michael Flynn, his charges potentially either being dropped or uh, him being in line for a pardon by the president. Now, we've seen that Mueller has actually taken the very rare 
an uncommon step of delaying his yeah. sentencing hearing uh, back three months, pushing it back to, I believe, May. And then Flynn's lawyers, we're told by a report by Roger Stone, who made just yesterday, that Flynn's lawyers are looking to file a motion to claim that his plea deal was made under duress, and we know the incredible financial strain and financial duress they have placed General Flynn and his family in in all of this uh, through through frivolous uh, litigation, uh, both of through his service with the president, his time in the campaign, of his end of his consulting firm, uh, basically bankrupted him. He's had to sell the family house, so they're using that to say not only was this made under duress, but also that these charges never should have been brought because they were brought under false pretenses in the first place, and that is what we are learning through the Peter Strzok texts and many of these new revelations in the memo. And if that's the case, they may end up striking the plea uh, plea agreement and striking the deal uh, whatsoever, getting rid of all the charges. And there's actually a veterans group um, a lot of people don't know that Flynn was was very close with the veterans for Trump himself, of course, being uh, the a four-star general, director of the DIA, and former J2 of JSOC. And a lot of veterans are still very, very close to Flynn. And there's there's a strong contingent of veterans that are now forming an organization called Vets for Flynn. And they are working on writing articles, uh, possibly holding events, doing any kind of press they can, pushing that sort of hashtag campaign, Vets for Flynn, because they want to stand up and let the world know that they stand with General Flynn in the face of all that's been brought against him and all of these uh all of these crimes, absolute crimes, by the way, yep. that were committed against him, the unmasking of his name and the leaking of that to the New York Times and Washington Post is a is an absolute felony and it is a shocking, shocking standard for U.S. politics. So whoever had done that, and there, there's lots of names that have been thrown around. Susan Rice, we know, committed yes. the unmasking. We don't know who actually did the, the leaking to media, but whoever did that during the transition period absolutely broke the law and absolutely needs to see prosecution. So we might see a very big tables turning uh, sort of forming in the events here revolving around General Flynn. Jack Posobiec, uh, Citizens for Trump, his book, you've got to get it, 200 pages. It's absolutely amazing inside look. You've got another book coming out. We've got about 15 seconds. Am I right? You're another yeah, book. the other book coming out is uh, it's going to be the 4D Warfare Handbook, and it's called How to Fight the Culture Wars and Win. Awesome. <sighs> I love Jack, it. Jack, I just sent you a link. I found a magazine for sale, one of the ones you wanted. It's uh the second email I, I sent you, so that link's there if you want to. Oh my gosh, I gotta up. get it! I've got to get it right now before <laughs> somebody else gets it. It was great having you, man. We'll be right Thank back you, after this. Take care, guys. All right. Welcome back to this edition of the Hagman Report. We are having some power issues here. So and other technical difficulties. Yeah, and and when you when I hear uh, Eric the Tech, uh, uh, you know, say some nasties from behind his spaceship council, um, I, you know, I've got to say, oh boy, he scares me. But uh, I want to thank you for joining us. And, and folks, go to HagmanReport.com. There we live stream compliments of. Uh, Global Star Radio. Global Star Radio. We, we broadcast live on Hagman Report. Go to Hagman Report for the video 
now because we're still in uh, blog, uh, YouTube jail. Uh, what we'll do is we we broadcast live via Global Star Satellite Radio, and the YouTube will go up the following day or whenever we get get around to it. Right? No, I'm, I'm, we we do our best, and uh, so so that now our guests coming up are going to be Shastina Eloff. She's now Shastina Sandman with Brad Thomas, and they'll be joining us shortly. Their website is megamaven.com. Some exciting information, some important information. But before we get to them, go ahead. You had something. I know you had I just, something uh, on your mind. I'm going to post this up on Hagman Report, but Mark Levin uh, put the, the whole, what, everything that's going on in a nice little sentence. Hillary Clinton essentially paid for a warrant. This gets into... The Trump dossier, very simple both dossiers. Yep. He's Mark Levin, the radio host, says America needs to understand that the FISA war, a warrant to surveil former Trump campaign advisor Carter Page in 2016 was essentially it boils down to Hillary Clinton paid for a warrant. The former chief of staff to Ed Meese, Ronald Reagan's second attorney general, brought his expertise to Fox News Monday night to discuss last week's declassified memo on Special Counsel Mueller's ongoing Russia investigation. Levin contends, along with the second memo released by Grassley and Graham, point to former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton using professional networks to politicize the FBI. Hillary Clinton paid for a warrant. That's the easiest way we can put it. The host said that former President Obama and his top officials had to know that the Clinton campaign and the DNC were connected with the spy Christopher Steele, author of the infamous dossier. He goes on to say that Obama, he goes on to joke that Obama should go into the witness protection program. And this article is from the Washington Times, and there's a few other ones up there of interest. One is that the House passes a bill that would avert the government shutdown. Now, will the Senate and the President sign on? Speaking of the government shutdown, potential Thursday, February 8th, they passed the stopgap measure last month to keep the government funded until February 8th as they talked about the battle over immigration. Trump is saying, uh, I'd love to see the shutdown unless Dems fix immigration. And what he's saying is, uh, and the media is spitting this, that, oh, Trump wants a shutdown, Trump wants a shutdown. No, he Trump doesn't. is putting his political opponents into a corner here. He's given concessions on immigration, and in return, he wants a few things, and we've went over them many times. He did also in the State of the Union address, the four planks. One, a pathway to citizenship for 1.8 million illegal immigrants over a 12-year period, ending the visa lottery program, ending chain migration except for immediate family, uh, parents and children, and funding for the border wall. Now, the number of uh, illegal immigrants that Trump is going to give a pathway to citizenship for is almost three times more than that what Obama did through his illegal DACA executive order. That's right. But the left is showing their true colors, opposing any and everything Trump puts forward because they hate him and they hate what he stands for. That's this exactly why right. Pasobic pointed out with Schiff yep. and others. Yep. You know, a complete 180 degree turn on their their stance. It, this is what's amazing about Trump. All these politicians who are against him for any and everything he does, from the tax cuts to you know the immigration reform, what they really believed at their core before Trump is president is all irrelevant now because it doesn't matter what they used to believe in. All the all that matters now is that they align themselves on every issue on the other side that then Trump's on. That's what this boils right. down to. We have our guest with us. Are we good for both, Eric? 
All right. Fantastic. Shastina Eloff, you know her, Shastina Sandman. Eloff. Now, that's Sandman. right, Shastina Sandman, along with Brad Thomas, Mega maven.com is their website and you've got to bookmark go to and bookmark their website their graphic on top explains it all it's a nice uh connect the dots of the people the perpetrators behind the not just the visceral hatred it's not political bias it's beyond that it's even beyond political hatred it is criminal conspiracy but with that justina eloff and brad thomas welcome to the hagman report Hi. Hi guys. We, we, we are having some electrical issues. Um, so if, if we happen to just drop off, drop off, yeah, you'll know that it, it, it's, we apologize. Uh, welcome back, Justina and uh, Brad Thomas. It's, uh, it's fantastic to have you with us. Uh, Justina. So we have a few things here. We yeah. have, we have, uh, magamaven. That's right. Dot com. Mm-hmm. And we also have, Brad, your book, The Trump Factor. Justina, let's... Which, by the way, is event. Okay, fantastic. Let's start with MAGA Maven. What is this? And, and uh, yeah, tell us about it. This is... Brad and I are debuting it on the Hagman Report. This awesome. is a new social media platform for freedom of speech for all Americans and internationals. So we are being censored like crazy on Facebook, on Twitter, and YouTube, where we're being stripped of our retweets, our likes, our followers, our views. I'm sure it's happened to you guys. I think it did just recently. Yeah. Yep. We still have a strike against our account for a copyright claim that was made against us that has since been lifted. But a week later, yeah, they have still, restored our We're account. still in jail. <laughs> right. And I can guarantee you, you didn't, you didn't infringe on anyone. Right. I know you guys. You guys are great. So this is so great. Brad reached out to me, and we've been working together for a couple months, and he told me about this secret that he's had. It's called The Maven. And I spoke with The Maven, and I said, look, I'm not interested in another social media platform that's going to be censoring us and be banning us and be reading our private messages. And they assured me, no, this isn't like that. We want a platform for everybody's freedom of speech. So... Brad and I got together and we've created the MAGA Maven, which is for all mavens to come to be able to post content, share content, engage in content, and we can actually speak about the things that we're afraid to speak of. For instance, I never speak about Muslim or Islam on Twitter because if I do, I'm in fear that I'm going to lose my verification badge or that I'm going to be shadow banned. So I, I, I won't even speak to anything that has to do with non-Jew or Jewish stuff, which even if I ask somebody a question who is maybe called a Nazi, then I get so much hate mail just because I want to ask them, hey, why do you hate the Jewish people? And it's almost like, you know, hello is the new racial slur of the 21st century. Anytime I say hello to someone, they automatically come back to me and say, you're such a racist, I can't believe you voted for Trump. So now we have, this is not to replace Facebook and Twitter, but this is just a place where you can go and you can actually not be afraid to say hello. Well, you know, uh, obviously, as I'd say every one of our listeners has is aware of and familiar with, is the tactics used by these platforms, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the YouTubes, the shadow banning, the censorship, 
you know, the, the, what they promote is that it's, it's, it's insane. They promote abortion. They promote this transgender agenda, uh, to children. Uh, yet we sit here and, uh, you know, espouse political views that are even moral in some sense and, and you get banned for this. It's absolutely crazy and it is, uh, reaching a fever pitch and we know something has to give one way or the other. And a new, uh, you know, social media platform, we always talk about, you know, YouTube needs to be replaced. We need, you know, more freedom. Twitter needs to be replaced and, and that Gab AI, uh, has been trying to do that. But running into well, problems at the same listen, time. If I could just touch on Gab really quick, they approached me and wanted to bring me on board. And after months, uh, they finally, I said, okay, fine. So I got on Gab and I got my little check mark. I'm all verified on Gab. It's fantastic. The problem with Gab is there's absolutely no censorship, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got Twitter where if you are conservative, total con- total censorship. On Gab, there's no censorship. So I think, Brad, I had you go on once, and you were kind of like... Yeah, we've heard stuff about that, that too, yeah. Like, they allow pornography and other other uh, uh, things on there. I've never been on there. I know, Dad, you have an account on, on there. Yeah, I do. Well, tell us about Mega Maven. How, how do we interact here? So, go to the Maven... Go to MegaMaven.com. Okay, and it's going to direct you to the social media platform. And in there, you're going to sign up, right, link with Facebook, with Google, or just put in your email address or whatever, and then follow us or join our channel. And in there, start engaging in conversations and posting the truth. Let's talk about what happened in Las Vegas. Let's really talk about the Quran. Let's really talk about what's going on. You know, let's no longer be censored. And let's talk about the midterm elections because, as Brad knows, he's on the advisory board for Donald Trump. He knows that these are so important. We've got to get these talking points out. We have to win these elections. And Facebook and Twitter do not want us winning. That's why they're stripping me of thousands of followers a day. My manager is no longer following me on Twitter, and him Hmm. and I were laughing about that because we didn't unfollow each other. We no, see this happening yeah. all the time. People unsubscribe from our, our channels. I mean, we go through the same thing, and it is, it's infuriating at times. And, uh, you know, we even saw some of the statistics from the election, how, uh, real news stories about Hillary Clinton's email, uh, emails were suppressed by a rate of over 50% by Twitter. And we could go through these, these examples all night. All so the solution, at the same time, we need to continue to fight as much as we can on these platforms such as Facebook and Twitter mm-hmm. because otherwise they'll turn into just echo chambers for the left. But we do need alternative uh, uh, resources in order to be able to speak freely uh, and, and share ideas and, and whatnot and here without it is. having the, the craziness of the censorship. And, and, and debuted on the Hagman Report. Thank you so much. And, and, and here it is. It's MAGA for, It's a debut for the, uh, for the first time, new social site for the MAGA movement. It's a mix. Yeah, and you know what? I almost want to give the left their echo chamber. Why don't we just all go to MAGA Maven and just leave them alone with their pacifiers and their diapers and just let them just complain, and we're just going to be over here winning, and that's what we want to do. Amen. Let's, let's go to Brad. Yeah. Uh, Brad, you have a recent piece at Forbes magazine, uh, or, or Forbes um Let's start off with that. And, and well, before we do, if you don't mind, can you introduce yourself to our 
our audience. Absolutely. So it's great to be on your show for the first time. I've heard a lot of good things about it, and uh, I'm really honored to, to be a part of this. Also, this is the first time I've really watched uh, Shastina at work, and I'm really uh, I'm really impressed because uh, she is she is going to be you know the face behind the MAGA movement uh, movement. And um, you know, I needed to find somebody who was passionate uh, about the Trump platform, about the Trump agenda. Uh, but someone who also shared an alignment of interest uh, with me, but also with the cam- campaign. And so, you know, Shastina really checks all of those boxes, and uh, it's great to see her at work. So I guess my background really starts uh, going back to when I got out of college uh, quite a few years ago. Uh, I decided uh, I wanted to be in commercial real estate, and I read this book in uh, 1988, tells my age, when I got out of college called The Art of the Deal. And that book was was an inspiration for me as a, as a 21 year old, uh, you know, hungry uh, kid wanting to be worth a lot of money and make a lot of create a lot of wealth in real estate. Um, that book was an inspiration for me, and so, so I basically followed that blueprint. Um, I became a real estate developer, and for about uh, two decades, uh, I gravitated from small developments up to larger developments that would include Walmart and larger shopping centers, industrial properties. So uh, really created a pretty sizable portfolio. And then when the recession hit, um, it hit hard. If you were in real estate, all of us know, had, had some real estate, I'm sure, or had exposure to real estate. Uh, it was it was devastating. And for, for me, that's all I knew how to do was to really build shopping centers and, and really create wealth there. So I decided uh, to, to pivot and become a writer. And so in 2009 and 2010, I decided to uh, start focusing on commercial real estate, and um, I, I uh, built, built myself a brand out of that. And what I mean is I, I built a large uh, platform uh, for subscribers. Uh, my business uh, merged with Forbes, and now I'm the editor of the Forbes Real Estate Investor, where I cover uh, real estate companies all over the world. And it's because of that writing uh, and that career in writing and um, that I was uh, got exposure to uh, to one of the famous uh, CEOs in real estate, uh, Donald Trump. So about four years ago, I uh, visited uh, Donald Trump in his office for the first time, and um, you know I'll never forget it. Twenty twenty sixth floor of Trump Tower, and uh, I came back at, for that interview. I came back for another interview, another meeting, and then another meeting and really started to build a relationship with President Trump. And uh, so I decided uh, about a year after that that I wanted to write a book because there had been a lot of uh, misconceptions um, surrounding uh, President Trump and his real estate empire and um, what he's actually worth. There was a lot of controversy there. So uh, with, with President Trump's support, um, I was able to uh, – it took me about two years. I uh, visited – uh, every property that uh, President Trump owns in the world that includes uh, countries such as Scotland and Ireland and, uh, and the states, uh, you know, Las Vegas, Chicago, uh, obviously Florida, New York, Virginia. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been on every piece of property that uh, President Trump owns. And I really wrote this book um, here called, um, right here, The Trump Factor, um, Unlocking the Secrets Behind the Trump Empire. It's that book that really got me um, uh, more interaction with the president. And when he decided to run for office, uh, I was in close contact with him throughout 
throughout that journey. Uh, went to uh, several dozen campaigns, mostly in the southeast uh, United States, and uh, you know really supported him all the way through the election night where I was uh, at the Hilton uh, in October of 2016. Uh, I was at the inauguration. Uh, I've done quite a few uh, TV hits now on Fox and CNN and CNBC, uh, uh, CNN and MSNBC. And um, and one day, um, about four months ago, I was on Fox and Friends on a, on a weekend, Saturday. Uh, actually, it was a weekday. And um, my daughter, who works at CNBC, she uh, she told me right after the uh, the, uh, the the hit, the, the Fox hit, that. Uh, that I would probably get a tweet today from Trump. Well, it ended up being a little better than a tweet. I uh, I got a phone call from the White House um, uh, probably two hours after that Fox hit, and um, you know, I had a really uh, really good chat with the president. And so I have maintained the relationship throughout. Um, I'm now on the president's advisory uh, campaign board, uh, and obviously supporting the movement and. Frankly, the uh, the MAGA Maven is just a perfect fit for that uh, that that uh, that this this platform and really continuing to grow the movement. And I'm again I'm honored that uh, that I've got Chastina here as my partner to help us grow this this uh, this platform. Wow, what a terrific story! And by the way, your book, uh, the the uh, Trump Factor, unlocking the secrets behind the Trump Empire, fantastic book. It's available on Amazon. Uh, your your story is fantastic. It's great. What? Uh, just let me ask you. What? Um, very simply. What what do you think of the president uh, personally? Obviously, you you like him, but um, give us an inside kind of inside secret look. If I don't know what I'm asking for, just give us a little nugget of of something. Maybe people might be surprised to know. Sure, there's there's a lot, and um, you know I tried to cover a lot of that in my book, but I think you know one of the things that really um, I guess the uh, uh, the, the uh, mysteries, I guess we could say, behind the president is really what I would describe as loyalty. I mean, when I wrote this book, um, I knew that for me to really um, be successful as a writer, I needed to gain close access to uh, to uh, Donald Trump, and so I, um, you know, I would attend uh, a lot of the events that he had, whether it was golf courses or. Hotels, you know, he is in the process of uh, of uh, redeveloping the old post office in Washington. So I went to that groundbreaking there with Ivanka and 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 President Trump and and a number of properties in Doral, which is a big 800 acre development in in uh, Miami, um, and several golf courses. I mean, I I would travel to events um, just to get a handshake, just to get eye contact with him, just you know, just to try to create loyalty because I wanted. Him to know, to recognize that I was perhaps one of the few, or perhaps the only person in the media uh, that he could trust, and because there is, you know, he has created a very defensive shell around himself, as you can well see now uh, that he's in public office. In his interaction with the media, I could, I could definitely see that, um, you know, that I've really had to work hard to, to really build a relationship, a trusting relationship, so that he knew that I was on his side, because there had been so many. Journalist um, over the years who had uh, had, had uh, attempted to gain the same access, but they ended up you know really stabbing him in the back or, 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 or turning turning against him at some point. So um, it was really important for me to to try to really build that loyalty because I knew 
I know how President Trump values loyalty, and if and loyalty is one of the I think the, the biggest traits that he has, and really what's made him successful as a leader. And so when I look at the leadership traits, um, again I think I think loyalty is a is a huge part of it. The other thing, and you see this now a lot, a lot of a lot of people didn't believe it back back um, you know when he was running for for president for for, uh, for president, but it's his work work ethic. I mean we all know he doesn't operate on a whole lot of sleep. But I've been around him a lot, and I've been to a number of campaign rallies. Uh, one day in South Carolina, he had three rallies towards the end of the uh, of the end of the, the uh, primary, and they all started on the coast of South Carolina. He went to three towns, started in the morning at 10 o'clock with a rally in, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Then he traveled down the coast and ended up uh, down closer to Hilton Head. So he had three rallies in a day. I remember going to that third rally. Um, it was um, you know, late in the afternoon, and I was I was about to fall over. And I'm you know I've, I'm in fa- fairly decent shape, and you know I was really struggling. And I was just standing there amazed how he was able to keep the momentum going. And the next morning I went on CNN um, in uh, in Columbia, and this was actually the the morning of the uh, South Carolina primary. And I remember I was telling uh, one of the reporters at CNN, I said, you know, look, you, you just you cannot outwork Donald Trump. You just can't. And I think that's a that's another leadership attribute that I just don't think he gets enough credit for. Um, this guy has a work ethic like nobody. He will he will never quit. He'll keep going and going until he wins. And 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 it's great that we have a a president and really what I consider to be a battle tested CEO in the White House who is going to keep working for this country. Uh, you know, 24, 24 uh, hours a day, seven days a week. Um, so I think loyalty is work ethic. Yeah, that's fantastic. But I thought I recognized you. You were the one that was, after the third campaign rally, uh, helping him into the van, right, when he lost his shoe. Oh, wait a minute. I'm mixing things up. But um, <laughs> I, I don't mean... I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to, to, to be nasty about it. Uh, well, Brad, real, I know we only have a few minutes left. I just want to ask you this. Uh, the rest of the media. I, I, I don't know if you're a religious man, you believe in God or not, but I, I, I see this as some kind of spiritual battle. What is it, why can't the rest of the media report on Trump even fairly? Why must they take it to the next level time and time again, e- even exposing themselves as frauds in the process? Good, good question. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree, and and certainly, um, as I mentioned earlier, one of the reasons that Shastine and I, you know, are working as great partners because we do share the same values, and I, and that's one reason that I voted for this president and and this vice president because you know they share the same values, um, religious values that I do. I've got five children too, just like uh, President Trump, and. Um, you know, it's important for me to to really, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I want to lead this 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 country and, and really this planet with, with in better shape than it is today. And I think with President Trump in the White House and, and John Pence, um, um, or Mike Pence, uh, rather, um, I believe that um, you know we, we've got a country that really is grounded. And and um, you know I, I I'm very close with some of the Pence family members and I've really got to know them extremely well and, and frankly I give I give that family a tremendous amount of credit and I, I really believe that one of the reasons that President Trump is in the White House today is because of the Pence uh, the Pence movement and the Pence family and their values and you know the silent majority is that group of voters that showed up on that night uh, that day uh, to to vote. 
And I think I think those um, those really Christian values really had a lot of influence over those voters, and that's what really uh, pushed pushed uh, the president over the edge uh, for this victory. So I, that is a critical part of the reason that I voted for for President Trump. No, uh, and and thank you for that. We only got about a minute left, guys, and I want to make sure uh, we reiterate this. You have to check out the latest uh, social media platform, MagaMaven.com. MagaMaven.com. Shastina, we got about a minute left. Last words. Oh, you guys, I just listened to Brad. I am just so, I feel so empowered right now. And, you know, every time I listen to his stories about Trump and about Pence, about everything that he talks about, it just makes me want to make America great again. Mm. And I'm so excited to be partners with him. I'm so excited to finally have social freedom. We have to thank the Maven for making this possible for the Trump supporters because they truly believe in freedom for all. And no censorship, being able to, you know, take the Constitution and say, look, we have the right to say, hey, I may not like you. That's okay. You don't have to ban me for it. You know, we don't have to agree on everything. God made us all unique, and that's what's so fantastic. So we are no longer worrying, but now we are warriors for the Trump movement on MagaMaven.com. Amen. Well said. And this went went by uh, so fast, we're going to have to have have you guys back on. Uh, it, it was great. But, yeah, MagaMaven.com. And, and check Brad Thomas's uh, Forbes piece, uh, writing on Forbes, infrastructure, REITs could soon see Trump bump. We didn't even get to that. No, we didn't get to that. But the book, mm-hmm. The Trump Factor, Unlocking the Secrets of the Trump Campaign, that's Brad Brad's book. Also, MagaMaven.com. We're going to have Justina on. Uh, again, in the near future, to continue to talk about this. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. We'll be right back with Shane Hazel. He is a running for Congress in the 7th District of Georgia. Don't go anywhere. This edition of the Hagen Report. Some great guests so far. If you joined us late, Jack Posobiec was our guest in the second segment in the first hour, and then we had Shastina Sandman, as well as Brad Thomas, and Brad is an author for Forbes, as well as the author of a book, and uh, they were introducing the MAGA Maven social network, which is something I'm definitely going to have to check out. We have, coming up in just a few moments, a man named Shane Hazel. He's running for the 7th District of Con- in Congress in Georgia, and he is a uh, constitutional conservative, a Republican, and he's going to lay out what he wants to do if he is elected and the things that he is going to be focusing on. When he's elected. When he's elected. There you go. And we have, um, we know the midterms are coming up. We know what is at stake with these midterm elections. If the, uh, historically, when a president is, uh, wins the election, the next midterm usually swings against his favor. We saw that with Obama. And we've seen this many times in the past. But this is an administration. We can bust the system, can I think the people, and it's sad, I'm going to say this because I don't really believe in this. In any other election, I would never say something like this. But when you talk about voting along party lines, we know that the left only has one goal. That is to remove Trump from office. So 
Uh, I would yeah. add the, 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 the destruction of our nation. Oh, absolutely. But that starts with removing Trump from office. That's right. You have to make sure whoever you're, whoever you're voting for in your local elections, in your districts, in your counties, in your states, for Congress, for Senate, are going to go there to do the work of the American people, not the work of the globalists and the people who are just trying to unseat Trump. They have no platform. They have no ideas. All they want to do is oppose Trump. We need to make sure that we put people in there who will be productive, who will be willing to work and do bipartisan work in order to continue to make this country better and run more efficiently. With us is our guest, Shane Hazel. Shane, welcome to the Hagman Report. Thank you guys for having me on. How are you? Well, we're fantastic. Uh, it's great to have you on. You got an, an awesome, uh, an awesome bio. You are a former, uh, United States Marine veteran and you are running for Congress in Georgia. That's correct. Yeah. I, uh, was out with, uh, First Force Reconnaissance Company, uh, just after 9-11, uh, until, uh, late 2005. Uh, did a couple of deployments out there. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's served me well in my life. It's, uh, it's been, you know, just an, an amazing journey. And yeah, we are now running for U.S. Congress here in the Georgia 7th District, challenging the establishment that has, uh, really betrayed the American people. Yes, it has. And, uh, you yourself being a veteran, uh, obviously we, we know that the VA is, has been in shambles. And it's really a shame the, over the last 10 years, the amount of reports and, uh, what have come out showing the conditions in the VA, the treatments of the veterans in those facilities are just absolutely horrible. Yet we have, you know, a, a Congress, uh, on the left and some on the right who are focused on, you know, amnesty for millions of illegal immigrants yet refuse to do one thing to try to help those people who uh, served our country and gave them them freedoms and the and the ability to serve in these offices is this going to be one of the the main um, planks of your campaign is to help veterans oh absolutely and obviously being a veteran having been in the, the veterans uh, administration and seen um the 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 care or the lack thereof um, that veterans uh, don't get on a, a very timely basis. Yeah, it's uh, one of one of the things that I would like to see is uh, the VA being abolished. Uh, it was it's one of those things where we we have contract with these amazing Americans, their national treasures that w- that we call veterans, uh, and, and told them, you know, if if you will serve your country, uh, we will make sure that when you receive injuries, whether they're psychological or physical or any of those things. That we're going to take care of you, and that uh, that deal has fallen through. Uh, people have paid the ultimate price because uh, of that failure and bureaucracy. And so, what I'd like to see is it uh, totally abolished. I'd like to see it, uh, you know, become a department of the uh, the DoD, and uh, these guys get uh, Amex cards so that they can go out and seek uh, whatever care uh, that they think that they need and of their choosing. So. Yeah, that uh, that, and along with a long list of other things to help these guys out um, because, you know, let's face it, we lose uh, 40 of these guys a day. A lot of people are familiar with the 22 a day, but that's actually not accurate because the 22 a day only takes in those that are, you know, that take their lives um, in a non-accidental way, basically. And so when we see, um, you know, these guys that take their lives and they do it in a way uh, to preserve the benefits to their family, um that actually amounts for about 40 uh, a day, and that that number is just uh, an absolute um, loss on our part and our and a failure yeah. of the system. That 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 is a staggering number. When when I when you just said that doubling what we thought 
that 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 just blows my mind and, and we need someone like you to uh someone from the inside to fix this you, you know fantastic i i gotta ask you this maybe this is kind of a left hand turn but you've got the um tagline hashtag leadership matters what's that about well leadership is one of those things that they teach every marine right from the very beginning um it is the ability to make decisions under pressure uh, to take the reins when nobody else is around to make those decisions and and to stand by them and be responsible for them. And, and let's face it, you know, in, in Congress today, um, especially my representative, the guy we are uh, going against here in the primary, there is no leadership. Uh, and it is standing up to the establishment and saying, no, we're not going to be your rubber stamp. We are going to uh, abide by our oath of office, which is Article 6, Section 3, Everybody takes it. It's not partisan. It is to uphold the Constitution. And that one thing alone, um, if we upheld the Constitution and we got, you know, we, we stayed within those confines, the problems we face, uh, as a nation at the federal level would be dispersed and you'd have 50 different states with that type of mental horsepower doing, you know, you know, the, the best practices, creative destruction to, to make this country what it should be. Those 50, you know, different, uh, petri dishes basically of how democracy uh, and, and a republic should work. And that's and that's where leadership matters. We have to be growing um, the the future leaders of tomorrow because when we when we when we talk about these guys that have been there forever, um, you know, the guy I'm running against has been there since 1994 as a staffer um, and got coronated by the, uh, the the last representative in 2010. Um, that's got to stop. I'm going to be out of there after eight years. Uh, and after, uh, you know, those eight years, we're hoping that, you know, we've found the right people and, and groom them in the Constitution, give them that, that education to where they can look at a bill or, you know, look at a, a law or policy. And right away, they know one way or another, is this constitutional? Is this within our delegated authority? Um, and, and that's, that's the leadership part is, is leaders aren't just concerned about themselves. Leaders take the, you know, the, the forefront, they eat last. Uh, and they make sure that the generations after them are ready to carry that torch when their time's over. Very good. By the way, um, now I may not be here in the larger sense eight years from now, but when you win eight years from now, my daughter, my son, they're going to be ma- making sure that, that uh, you know, hey, here's the door. But in the meantime, obviously, a lot of work to do, and, and I know you're the guy to do it. And, and folks, he's not going to, he's not going to tell you this. Um, uh, Shane T. Hazel, aside from being a father, a family man, uh, living and coming uh, Georgia with his wife, Meredith, and their three children, uh, uh, he, Shane was, he, he joined the Marine Corps, uh, Marine Corps nine days, or, or just days after 9-11. Graduating first in his class from Marine Boot Camp. Now he's not going to brag on this at all. Um, Marine Combat Training, uh, Military Occupational School, and while serving as the point man in force reconnaissance, he was awarded the Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal with Valor for his actions in something a little something called the Battle of Fallujah. You remember that? Uh, so there it is. Qualified, absolutely. Uh, Joe, yeah. I'm going to kick it back to you there. And and his website is shanehazel.com, and you can follow him on Facebook, uh, backslash shanehazelga, and Twitter at shanephazel. <laughs> want to make sure I get that right. Uh, Shane, when we see when you, when you talk about leadership, leadership matters, and and how uh, you know what I was talking about the, these people in, in Congress. It seems that 
the left and those who oppose Trump have no actual ideas of their own. It seems that they're all following the same, uh, you know, talking lines, the same narrative to just oppose Trump. I wanted to ask you this. Do you view Trump as a strong leader? Oh, yeah. And, and I'll tell you guys what he's done in the, in the past year. Um, at first, I didn't hear Constitution enough out of the guy, and I was somewhat skeptical. I'm, I'm a cynic and, you know, cynic by nature because we've been burned by both parties for as long as I can remember. Um, and, and really growing, uh, the government way outside of its constitutional boundaries. Um, this guy has come in, um, like him or hate him. He has been so effective. Um, you know, when he walked away from TPP, when he walked away from Paris, when he outed the, the propaganda machines that are the, the mass media now, um, outing the rhinos in Congress, um, you know, when they could, they, they put together, uh, I think 72 show votes to repeal Obamacare. And then they changed the narrative from just repeal to repeal and replace those things, uh, along with a whole bunch of others, the, the, you know, the market roaring back, the job sector roaring back. This guy is without doubt and unquestionably effective. Um, and for those reasons, I think, you know, you know, what we saw in the State of the Union address, um, you saw Democrats sitting on their hand. And, you know, they'll, they'll say that this guy is, is dumb. He's, he's a, he's masterful. He's got a team around him and what he's doing. And they sat on their hands, um, while he championed as Americans, not as just Republicans, uh, and, 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 you know, being partisan, but as Americans, this is what we've done in the past year. And when you can do that and say that, you know, the, 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 the black community is experiencing their lowest, uh, jobless rate, uh, ever, the Hispanic community the same, and they're going to sit there, not clap, not stand. You know exactly what their agenda is. Their agenda is to buy votes by telling people exactly what they want to hear and what they're going to give them and not get them out there uh, and make them, you know, financially stable, uh, create an environment where they can be entrepreneurs, where they can own their neighborhoods. Um, and, and that type of thing, that's real leadership because he's standing in a place where he's not only battling the Republican Party, and the Democratic Party, but he's also battling the intelligence uh, in the deep state out there, and he's winning. Um, and you know, God bless him for it because I think he's actually he's he's bringing people together, and he's doing what he said he was going to do. He's keeping those promises, and you know, in 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 terms of being MAGA, making America great again, and and being uh, America first, it's a breath of fresh air. Um, to hear something like that and to to not be partisan and to to, to love America again. I mean, it's uh, it's unquestionable. Shane, let me ask you this: in in your district, the seventh district of Georgia, where you're running, what are some of the most important issues to the voters that you've talked to? Well, I you know it, it's it's funny because I think most people in this country um, we we look at things uh, like uh, you know Texas and Florida. Um, you know, a couple of years ago when we had snowpocalypse down here in the south. You see people going out of their way to help each other. And it's American and American meeting up to do good for each other, to help each other out. And it doesn't matter, you know, what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what sex you are, what God you prefer, or who do you go to bed with at night. People are, you know, Americans help each other. And that's, that's what we do. Um, what they want, the overwhelming majority of these people, they want the federal government out of their life. They want justice. They want peace. And they want liberty. Uh, those three things, um, the peace, because we've been at war, we've taken the lives of our military flippantly uh, for over 17 years now. 
there is absolutely no mission left uh, for those guys in the Middle East, and they are war-weary. Those are my brethren that have 10-plus deployments. It takes pieces of their soul, their family, um, and, and their brothers in arms. And that's, you know, that's one of those things where they want peace. They want, um, you know, liberty to be able to go out and do what they want to do and, and not be bothered by the federal government restraining them um, through bureaucracy and policy. That, uh, that flies right in the face of, uh, you know, the, the Bill of Rights and, you know, injustice. We want to see people like, um, Hillary Clinton, Comey, um, Mueller and, and all of these other people, uh, get out there and, and pay for what they've done. And, and we're, I think we're on the verge of seeing some of that stuff right now, um, with the, you know, the, the this memo that's being, you know, released to the public and good on them because, you know, what, uh, you know, I, I believe it was Ben Franklin, um, that said that, you know, secrecy is repugnant to a republic. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, these, these people, um, you know, we are a small grassroots movement down here that is exploding. Um, we have, we've currently passed uh, a whole bunch of these, uh, you know, uh, kind of milestones that we've set for ourselves in terms of volunteers, in terms of social media. Um, and we've done it on, you know, very short order with a small budget and a small team that is all about the Constitution, personal uh, liberty, uh, peace, and justice. So those things are what echo here. I think they echo across America. Shane, I want to ask you this. The battle that we see going on in the national political arena with the Obama administration, the FBI and DOJ, and the top members of those organizations weaponizing the surveillance uh, apparatus against candidate and uh, Donald Trump and his uh, staff. It has come out that uh, we see that this has been all been done illegally under fake pretenses using a, a bogus political opposition research document and presenting it as intelligence in order to, to gain warrants. Do you think people are going to be going to jail over this? How, how big of a story do you think this is? Well, I'll tell you, I think it's a lot bigger than most people will say. The, uh, obviously, the, the liberals and progressives and the mass media that's out there for the most part is trying to sweep this under the rug. Nothing to see here, just like Benghazi um, and, and a whole bunch of other things. And, you know, I think this is going to blow up in their face, and I hope it does. It needs to, um, because here's the thing is if we don't see justice out of this, um, you know, a, a weaponized IRS where Costigan and Lois Lerner were, uh, you know, never prosecuted. You had uh, the Fast and Furious where um, uh, the uh, DOJ had uh, didn't uh, didn't get uh, any type of jail time, and he perjured himself in front of Congress. This this you know these laws that uh, you know that the DC lives under versus um, the the average American. If that continues, I'm afraid to see where this country goes because you can't have two sets of laws. You can't have a ruling class and you can't have, you know, your, your serfdom. And, and that's, you know, we're not subjects. This, this country is, uh, this country was built, uh, you know, through people, uh, in, in the rule of law, which is the constitution of the United States. It's a contract between the states. And if, uh, if they're not going to live by that, um, they're going to, they're also, you know, for lack of a better term, they're, they're going to die by it. Um, this country is solvent because of the rule of law, and we have to start uh, going back to it. I hope to see some uh, some justice done. And I think, um, you know, if if Trump keeps going the way he is with uh, the DOJ, uh, I think we might actually see some uh, some very high-level Democrats on that side pay that price, and I hope to see it. 
Uh, I'm right there with you. We are right there with you. Before we continue with that discussion, and, and let's do that, I just want, want to kind of interject here uh, a question. How can people support you? Of all, I'm going to tell you right now, um, you are a very precious, limited quantity in terms of your political beliefs, uh, your uh, value as a candidate. How, how can people best support you? Well, I'm, uh, I'm humbled to have you say that first and foremost. Thank you. Um, we need, we need money. We need donations. We need sure. fundraising. Um, because here's what most people don't understand. You can go to shanehazel.com first and foremost. You can go to shanehazel.com and there's a porthole there where you can donate. And I'm telling you, um, we, we need it from everybody. If it's $5, $10, whatever the amount, um, we, we definitely need to have that. So that's shanehazel.com. Um, uh, you can definitely support us there. Um, the website, if you'd like to send a check, has our, our, uh, our PO box on it. You can send a check there. Um, and in all of those things are going to help us put more people on the ground to spread this message, to get more name recognition. And, and really that's what we've got to have. We are fighting the establishment and the only thing that they have going for them, um, because they are, you know, let's, for lack of a better term, um, morally and, um, and, and mentally bankrupt on what the issues are, what the solutions are out there. That's that's what they have. They've got tons of money, and we need to raise a certain amount of money to get uh, to a certain point. Um, and and so ShaneHazel.com, uh, please, uh, I'd ask you very humbly. I know what it is to work those 60, 70, 80-hour weeks, uh, not only to be successful, but just to make ends meet. Uh, so, you know, if, uh, if we're going to put that money to good use, uh, we're not going to squander it. We're not going to do... Uh, you know, the ridiculous mail where you just get it in and, you know, you throw it away. We're, we're actually sending volunteers around, knocking on doors and hammering the pavement and spreading that message of the Constitution and, uh, individual liberty. So Amen. we, yeah. and, uh, we humbled to have your support. Okay. And once you get into Congress, uh, and I do suspect this fight will continue after you're in, obviously we are, we are fighting for uh, transparency. We're fighting for the rule of law. We're fighting to, to maintain our constitution. So getting back to the, uh, the, the, the recent, uh, uh, exposure of the FISA abuses here, you're going to work mm-hmm. to change that, right? You're going to work to okay. change. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And I came out really heavy. I mean, we just took a vote that, well, I said we, the Congress just took a vote on FISA a couple weeks ago and, you know, we warned, uh, the establishment, we warned, um, you know, the, our, the guy that we're running against, because listen, it doesn't, it, we have to preserve the Constitution of the United States. The Fourth Amendment is your right to be secure in your person, uh, property and effects, and there are four prerequisites that have to be met every time, period, before a warrant shall issue. And what a FISA court does is they take, you know, some, you know, some person like Strzok or, you know, one of those people that want to make something up, uh, they present it before the court. They give them reasonable suspicion. And at that point, a warrant is issued to wiretap, surveil, whatever the case. And that doesn't meet any one of those four prerequisites that you need. And that FISA court, they approved 99.7% of the uh, the requests that come before them. Can you imagine what that 0.3% is uh, that doesn't get approved? That we, this, we've said it from the very beginning, um, you know, between the Patriot Act, FISA, CISPA, you name it, these things need to be shut down because they're being weaponized to, uh, to go after the opponents, uh, political opponents, and we've seen it with the IRS now, we've seen it with, uh, uh you know, the, uh, a number of the different, uh, alphabet soup agencies up there, and now we're seeing it with the FBI, 
and we're, it's probably going to leak into another, uh, you know, two or three at least, uh, alphabet soups. And that's only what we know about. So yeah, we've got to shut this down. We've got to get back to being very constitutional. Uh, and we have to uphold that oath. I mean, if, if they don't, if most people don't know, I actually teach the constitution. I've been teaching it for, uh, two and a half years, almost three, I guess. Um, and to understand what Congress has in terms of very limited powers uh, that are delegated to them. The rest belong to the states. And, you know, the, the biggest thing we can do is probably change the tax code for the better, um, go with a fair or flat tax. I'd prefer a fair tax because it gets rid of the IRS altogether um, and give the power back to the people um, so that it doesn't reside in Washington and, um, you know, the people that are up there being representatives can't be bought and they're not worried about that next election, um, you know, to where their money is coming from to take votes uh, that they shouldn't be taking. Shane Hazel is our guest. He is running for the 7th District of Georgia, and we only have a, a few minutes left, Shane. Uh, I just want to ask you about the – how do you see this playing out with the Trump administration? Do you believe we're going to continue to see the momentum and the promises that he made? Do you believe he'll be able to continue to implement those as he has been doing? Or do you see the partisan battle uh, winning out in the end? Uh, you know, I, I for this country, I pray for them. Um, and, you know, I pray for our government that they, they make the right decisions and they're bold uh, in, in, in taking that over for the Constitution and, and doing what's best for America. Um, and I say that because they, they, if they're, if they're not going to uphold the Constitution, then they're obviously not doing what's best and, uh, what they're, you know, sworn to do. Um, I think, I think he has a whole lot more in him. I think the, you know, the, the quote unquote winning, uh, I think it's just begun. I think, um, the other side has got a lot more losing to do. And what I really hope to see is this 2018, uh, primary season and, and people, I'm speaking to you. There are people out there, there are veterans across this nation, I believe the count is up to about 20 of them now, that are running for either Senate or Congress. Um, find them wherever they are and support them. Uh, you can you can find these people across lines now, and it is imperative that wherever you have these people who are, you know, of their oath uh, to the Constitution, that we're supporting them. And that's how we change government is there is a whole bunch of rhinos out there, people. Um, and, and if you don't know if your representative is a, a, a rhino or not, Go to Conservative Review, go to the New American, maybe Heritage Foundation, look at their scorecards and see how they're taking votes. Because most of the time, uh, and I can tell you being from a very red state down here in Georgia, most of the people who are representatives down here in Georgia rate somewhere in the 50s and 60s as Republicans. And that is a failing grade across the board. So know who your representative is. If they're being primaried, vet the other candidate. And if you can, support them. Go out and knock on doors. Uh, and, and be supportive, but yeah, I think uh, I think this administration has surrounded itself with the right people. I think it's going to continue to be smart. It's going to be ahead of the game um, in terms of you know what they say, three D, uh, you know, three dimensional chess. I think that's what they're playing here. And as a businessman, he's not going to slow down and wait for these guys to catch up. He's going to press full steam ahead, and I I hope um, that manifests itself in uh, in accomplishing you know most of his agenda. Shane Hazel is our guest. Shane, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out and joining us tonight. I, I, I know we're going to have you back on in the future, and we will continue to promote your run for Congress in the 7th District of Georgia. And, again, the website is ShaneHazel, A-H-A-Z-E-L dot com. Shane Hazel on Facebook. Come back on when you're a congressman. congressman. <laughs> well, 
gentlemen, I am uh, I'm humbled to be here, and I can't thank you guys enough for the uh, the platform uh, and your audience. This has been this has been great. It's uh, the, what we're doing here, people, uh, and what's going on in America is no less than the one thing of miracles, and I believe it's divinely inspired. So. Um, I, I praise you guys for what you're doing and keep up the good work. Thank you very much for having me. Well, you too, and, and God bless you, and we wish you the best. And, again, we'll have you back on a number of times before those midterm elections. So thank you for, for spending your time and sharing with us tonight. God bless you guys. Thank you very much. God bless you too. All right. We are up against our network break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Stan Deo. He'll be on video. Make sure you go to standeo.com. Pull up the website, check out the show images page, and follow along. Also, go to HagmanReport.com and bookmark the site. At the very top, you'll see the Patreon banner. $25 a month, every Sunday, or the first Sunday of every month, we do a Patreon broadcast. It's a roundtable discussion with you, the listeners. That will be happening this Sunday. So there's still time for you to secure your seat. Again, at HagmanReport.com. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. third and final hour on this Tuesday edition of the Hagman Report. We just witnessed a vicious canine attack on John, our producer. You know, Theo, this, the, the lady sidekick studio dog, is the exact replica of the dog Toto from The Wizard of Oz. So it's about this big, right? About the size of a hand. And this thing just took John down and he's he, crying he, in the back He, he had John pinned down to the ground. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Paul no, on the throat. No. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, we welcome back in during we welcome back to our show. Stand down, my goodness, Joe. How long is it? It's been like six years since we had one. <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time. So, Stan, it's great to have you back. How are you doing? Good tonight. Um, I'm just uh, playing with something here that we might have a look at. I, I think one of you guys used to use that flight radar 24 program, didn't you? Yes, yes, yeah. we still do. Real time flight tracking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to suggest a, an interesting experiment with your listeners tonight. And is that showing on your screen? Yes. We got it perfectly. Okay. Well, the the experiment I want to do is uh, this thing is really good. You can look outside your house and say, oh, there's a the plane. Click on this Flight 24 uh, program on that plane, and it will tell you its altitude and its speed over on the, the uh, left side of the screen here. And I think if we can get people that are, you know, out and about with their iPads or, you know, their uh, portable computers of some sort, their laptops, if we can get them to look up, see a chemtrail, and click on that plane on this program and say, okay, what altitude is it? And, uh, you know, it it has a a chemtrail and the date and write that down and uh, maybe do two or three of them in the area. And then if they look up someday, and they see a contrail that's, you know, disappearing behind the craft and it's not stretching out to become a chemtrail, log that one for its altitude and, you know, put that in your book, that you know, the date and time. And if we do that, we should be able to form 
an idea about what altitude these chemtrails form and what altitude contrails form. And if they're both forming in the same general altitude, you know, then we suspect that we, we can really say that it's not just atmospheric conditions that make some contrails and some chemtrails, which is what some of the current arguments are. Just a thought, anyway. Well, no, Stan, um, that's a really good idea because, uh, you know, we see, I, I know everybody who pays attention to the sky sees days where it's, you know, perfectly blue sky, no clouds, and then you get these planes coming across with the, the chemtrails, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you got 20 lines in the sky, and, and it looks like it's, uh, you know, overcast when it should be sunny. And with a program like this, as you said, you can go out if those planes are registered yeah. on that flight tracker. And, and that was my other get question. The, get the information. I bet I, I would. I would not be surprised if you didn't see some most of those planes on the. It, well, can, commercial. can we extrapolate anything else from that data? My question would be interesting enough. Uh, well, possibly. I'm looking at the um, the program here on my other computer, and um, it it does tell the speed, which would be of interest as well. All of these things that it lists are apparently either private or commercial aircraft, but no military. I don't know if there's one of these programs that you can get that um, shows the military flights. Uh, I went over to, uh, uh, you know, to uh, California, looked at a couple of the bases out there. I couldn't find anything that um, uh, was military, all commercial. But some of the commercial ones were really ripping on. Um, so I was trying to see if we can find commercial high-speed aircraft and then if we can find military, but I just don't think they show military, uh, you know, uh, call signs here, but uh, we'll see. Anyway, that's an ex- uh, that, that experiment would be interesting, so i just put that out there to you folks. And if you find another program, as I say, this is FlightRadar24.com. If you find another one that actually does show the military aircraft and their altitude and speed, let me know because I'd like to start tracking that because they'll fly at different altitudes and you got to see if they make contrails or chemtrails. How well, does that sound? It'll be absolutely great. It'll be really interesting to see um, how many of the planes with the chemtrails behind them you'll actually be able to pick up versus the contrails. And and I think if, uh, you know, everybody did this. They took 20 minutes out of their day, uh, you know, when you can uh, to grab your yeah. laptop or your iPad, as you said, go sit on your porch or take a walk and, and just uh, look look up at the sky and and uh, keep a little log, and and you can you know start to uh, get the patterns and see you know what what you're seeing in the air versus what's being shown on the screen, and any uh, information that you can put together, it be a great start. So in 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 the, in the better in the summertime, this will be a, a real mm-hmm. uh, good tool or an easier one to use, I suppose. Yes, it'll be a little warmer out there. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Have you guys got any snow the last couple of days? Yes, we got about four inches. You, you last want night. some? Oh yeah, I we'll think we've had it. what like 170 inches this year so far. Uh, I don't know. I, I think t- I stopped counting at like 10 feet. We had that one huge snow on Christmas, Dan. Uh, with a period of four days, we got 80, 90 inches of snow, and then yeah, we had I, our I regular. Can't even imagine that. It's like you're living at the South Pole or something. Uh, uh, ice station zebra. Ice station zebra. I'm telling you. <laughs> Incredible, and it's you know we, we, I've got a short jump to, to the studio, and uh, pretty much we all do. But uh, uh, wow, the roads and stuff. It, but, but this has been really in a, a severe winter compared mm-hmm. to last winter and the last couple of winters. Even with the temperature, the temperatures have been much colder this year than the last few years. 
here in Colorado has been warmer and drier. Go figure. Yeah. You've got our weather. Yep. It is, uh, it, you know, the last few years the lake has not frozen over. And even, uh, one of those years the bay didn't freeze over, which is very rare. But this year we're seeing, uh, lots of the ice cover already and record numbers of, of levels of snow. So it's definitely, uh, one, we're on track, I think, right now to have the, one of the highest snowfalls on record for a season in the, in our, uh, since our recorded history. So we'll see how that plays out. Right. Right. Oh dear, I've got uh, some numbering things here. Okay, on the show images page, can you get to that? I have it up we right can, here. Yes. Okay, down at uh, image 43 and to the right of it, uh, are two 40s. <laughs> they should be 44 and 45. I messed up on that. But anyway, I want you to look at the one that's got the purple Antarctica, the blue ring around it. Alright. Because we're talking weather, and uh, this article here, you click on the, the text to get to it. Um, you'll see the title of it is, A Key Part of Earth's Ozone Layer is Failing to Heal, and Scientists Don't Know Why. Now, this the ozone layer is really like our Starship Enterprise shield against uh, all kinds of radiation uh, from deep space and from our sun itself. So when that thins, which it's doing, it starts letting in more ultraviolet and some other high-energy uh, uh, frequencies that cook the environment and I think this is part of what's happening to change our weather but the other part is you know there may be a pole shift well there is in progress it's um, the magnetic field is part of that pole shift because the magnetic field is created by the the pairs of magnetic poles inside the planet and as we've discussed oh gosh probably three months ago the maybe four or five actually I had images from NASA showing uh, from a satellite that took magnetic images of the planet showing that there were two north poles starting to separate. You could see inside the planet's magnetic field. And then if you read the, the NASA article, you'll find out there's two other pairs of north-south poles floating around closer to the surface. So all of this does indicate we're in the middle of a pole shift. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and Stan, there was articles on Drudge about this last week. Um I saw this, uh, I think two days it was on Drudge and then on some, on internet forums, people were talking about this. And I wanted to ask you, uh, how, how would a pole shift line up with what scripture says, uh, we expect to happen during these times? Is there anything in there that indicates that a pole shift could happen? Well, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I, I don't know that there's anything that says, it's nothing about the natural order of things or, yeah, affected, but it doesn't say. Well, they didn't know about magnetic fields in any way. Um, well, yeah, this is just. A, I, I, I guess uh, when you say polar shift, uh, in my mind, I automatically go to this this massive upheaval of everything. But it doesn't have to be that. Sorry about that. No. It doesn't have to be that way, does it? It could be kind no. of a gradual process. Yeah, and I think it's going to be more like that. I don't think you'll see a switch turn in five or six seconds later. The Earth. The, the, the magnetic field flips. If it did do something like that, it would certainly generate a lot of lightning and static electricity and screw up all kinds of stuff. But, um, hmm. I mean, already, you know, I've, I've got friends that fly and they're still having to adjust their magnetic headings on the runways. It's not, you know, you know, uh, heading 40 anymore. It's now heading 45 and it's moving over. Um, and 
slowly, slowly, we're starting to see the internal magnetic field shift upside down. But because of these other two pairs of north-south magnetic fields floating right inside there, I'm not sure where it's going to end up. But because this is weakening our ionosphere, because the the ionosphere is contained and and managed and created with the magnetic field uh, as it holds uh, the energy in it, the high-voltage electricity and high-frequency occurrence, and it's in the upper part of the stratosphere. What will happen, and we're saying this, is weather will change because certain parts of the planet will uh, now be heating up and others cooling down and some will be drier and wetter. And I don't know that this would affect anything like earthquakes, but uh, the sun will do that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so I think we'll be okay. I've got an article on the site that does address this. Um, and uh, we'll see here. We This article here, we need to tell these scientists uh, that they don't know why the the ozone layer is failing to heal. Well, it's not because of the gases as much as it is the the magnetic field weakening in this flip-flop. It will go all the way to zero, no magnetic field, and I don't know how many hours or days it will stay there. But at that time, if this happens in the next, say, decade, you'll want to stay inside because the ozone thinning like that, if we see that spread all over the planet, the ultraviolet coming through will blind you. Uh, it will burn you. Um, and in Scripture, they do talk about the the sun becoming seven times brighter. I think that a lot of that can be in ultraviolet and other frequencies other than infrared, which burn you. So um, if we stay inside for that period of shift, it'll, it'll protect our skin, our eyes, but you won't be able to do much. So I'm hoping that this, this transition to the zero point won't be, you know, like months and stuff like that, but I don't know. But scripture does talk about changes in our, our uh, environment, about the sun doing something to really hurt the planet and burn a third of it. And it may be that we have in this shift, uh, you know, one side of the planet facing the sun and the ozone layer just disappears and that side of the planet gets fried, you know, uh, <laughs> with, with the bright light from the sun. Because the sun is not stable. That lines up with, with what, uh, scripture would say as far as at least burning a third yeah. of the the uh, grass and, and plant life. The article that is on your uh, from your website, which is from National Geographic, talks about the poles flipping roughly every two to three hundred thousand years. They say the last time that this has happened has it was over seven hundred and eighty thousand years ago, saying that we're due for a flop. But they also go on to say that it could happen without the you could have this this uh, reversal, this this uh, pole shift, without having catastrophic uh, things happening on this earth. Yeah, I've had uh, a few people ring me and email me about this thing, uh, very worried about it because there are some sites that uh, you know are, are predicting the worst. Um, and, but that National Geographic site, which is uh, if you click on slide forty-eight and on the text there, that'll take you over to that site. They do try to calm you down and say, look. It's not going to be quite as, dr- as drastic as you think. Um, but there will be problems, and, and there could be uh, air- aircraft and things that use magnetic instrumentation to orient their craft and their ships and animals, you know, whales, birds. Uh, they they might be migrating all over the place uh, because they'll lose their bearings without the stable magnetic field. So we'll probably see die-offs in, in large amounts when that happens. But 
is that what burns the surface of the earth, you know, one-third of it? The thing I keep coming back to in Scripture about that burning one-third of the, the trees, the grass, the, you know, the fish, is um, this This talks to me of a, of a quick and violent event from the sun. Because on the earth's surface, if you look at here in my hands like this, out where my knuckles are, and the sun is up there, out where my knuckles are, the radiation does a glancing blow. If you look at what area of the planet up here is hit directly by the radiation from the sun, no matter what frequency, it's about one-third the surface area of the planet, not one-half. And I think that this, the Earth will be facing the sun, and the sun will throw off uh, a dust cloud, as it speaks of in the Old Testament. I don't know how long that cloud will last there, but I think it will be a matter of uh, weeks, if or months maybe, but it will be a short blast throwing this cloud out into the solar system causing the sun to be the color of blood I'm sorry the moon because the sunlight can't get through and um, it will also cause a darkening for a quick time on the uh, earth when that uh, when the moon is turned red by this dust cloud then a dust cloud goes on away and we've got a new output from the sun it'll be hotter uh, I've seen it happen in the Monoceros uh, formation out, out in our uh, uh, galaxy it's a long way away but I've watched it throw off a cloud in real time, and it was about nine days, and it went through the whole uh, solar system of that uh, Monocero star. Um, so it can happen quickly, just like prophecy says. The um, the weather will be crazy, crazy chaotic, uh, you know, for some time to come, because even though two-thirds of the planet won't be hit by whatever this is, this is from the sun, uh, the heat that it pours into our ecosystem will be so enormous that it'll spread around the planet with violent hurricanes and, and tornadoes and landicanes and freezings in other places because even though it's heat, it can cause uh, entropy in, in other places, uh, you know, cooling. And uh, so I think during that time, that'll be during the tribulation, I don't think I'd want to be on the planet that time because I don't know there'd be a safe place, a comfortable place anyway to endure that. People will survive, but it's not going to be comfortable. I, I have a question about this, and humor me, I guess, in my in my asking of this. Can nuclear weapons affect the activity on the sun? For example, in the testing of nuclear weapons in the 40s, was there any record of interaction or reaction by the sun from nuclear weapon detonation. Mm. If there was, I didn't get to see it. Uh, I did see the uh, army films and stuff. They were taken, you know, on a number of the tests, um, but those effects weren't uh, recorded uh, okay. in the the thing. But you know, the only way I can see that that might affect the sun uh, is if that magnetic filament that connects the Earth to the sun periodically, uh, and it's you know reasonably quickly, if that were uh, influenced by the detonation somewhere close to where that that funnel you know, of energy between the sun and us uh, hits our surface, if that happened, it might. Um, right now, the sun is doing something rather interesting. We've got a super big sunspot there that's leaving a trailing wake of little magnetic eddies behind it, and this appeared suddenly when the, the, the sun was, sorry, the sun was very quiet. No sunspots, extremely quiet since, you know, a long time ago. And then all of a sudden, bang, this big one comes out. That tells me that the sun is not behaving uh, to what it, what we do 
uh, think it should in uh, the the last oh, 24 solar cycles of sunspots that we've watched and averaged. I, I, I don't know, gee, I don't know if the government is playing with us, you know, trying to alert us quietly or what, whether it's looking at an asteroid impact, uh, a large tsunami on the East Coast, uh, you know, a missile attack on Hawaii, but these accidental things that have been happening uh, in the last week, 10 days, over in Hawaii with an accidental button push that scared everybody to death for an hour or so. And over here in New York, uh, on the East Coast, you know, this is tsunami warning. Oh, sorry, it got out. We didn't mean to frighten you. But I go back to my theory that, or hypothesis that anyway, that the government may be trying to wake up people in these areas where they expect problems. And they're, they're trying to wake them up to the kind of problem they're going to be facing. Now, um, an earthquake in the Atlantic over at uh, Cumbre de Vieja and throwing all that overburden on that uh, island down into the Atlantic <clears throat> sorry, sorry, could produce you know, a large tsunami on the east coast. That would mean we need some big earthquake and volcanic activity or an impact by an asteroid or a meteorite of considerable size. Um, I, I, if I were in the government and, and trying to make an orderly preparation of my population, I would say I would do it the same way, having accidents, uh, um, you know, unauthorized leaks and things like that, that would uh, get people thinking, at least the thinking people that do do think, uh, that they need to prepare in their area, do whatever they've got to do to prepare for some of these uh, huge catastrophes that could be happening. The Bible isn't... Uh, you know, it isn't an inaccurate thing. It is it is telling us exactly what's going to happen. And whenever that happens, which will be during the tribulation period, uh, it will cause certain effects in certain areas of the planet. And the biblical people who believe this are making plans if they have to endure, if there's, if there's not a rapture until a certain time after that, uh, they're making plans to physically be where they need to be and have what they need to have for themselves, their family and friends. We've known this for, what, 20 years, you know. I mean, Holly's been writing about it. I've been talking about it. And I just think if I were the government, I would be doing this kind of uh, accidental stuff to get people's attention. And when you hear the sirens go off and, you know, you're at ground zero, you do tend to stop and pay attention. So maybe that's what's happening here. They know that something's coming. Yeah, I don't know, Stan. It's... uh something that I've read a lot of, of speculation about and other people's opinions and doomsday scenarios uh, about what they believe will happen. But it's always been kind of just, uh, I, I don't even know that I even fully understand it. I understand, you know, the, the magnetics and whatnot, but I, I just, uh, I don't know. As I asked you earlier with the scripture, what, what, how would that fit into what uh, scripture says about how things play out? And I don't, I don't know that it does, but maybe in the very end, in the end there, um, this could be, as you said, part of something that opens up the ozone or, or makes the ozone disappear and allows the sun to burn the earth. There are um, definitely real dangers from this as I continue to read about it, but um, well, nothing we can do. Well, no. Uh, the Well, you can have, you know, sunglasses or, you know, thick clothing to wear if you have to get out and something like that, but uh if you look at it the the sun's magnetic field is ramping up at, at this large sunspot group and we do connect magnetically to the sun periodically to this tube that, that NASA discovered now with the earth's magnetic field weakening you know it's very flimsy it's very weak 
So large fluctuations in the magnetic field of the sun, which we connect to magnetically, can cause you know, massive surges or you know negative surges in the magnetic field strength here in various places on the planet. So it's important to watch the sun. I, the, so much of, of prophetic scripture for the, the tribulation period focuses on solar events or heat events and stuff like that and an asteroid falling into the ocean that we have to pay attention to what's happening in relation to that and all these these magnetic gravitational anomalies that we're we're going to see are very close it's it's not a long way away very interesting wow okay but which which kind of segues into this how's the EMP shield doing how is it doing yeah well in other words how are we on production are we meeting our production we're, we're good Okay. We're good. Yeah, we're good to go on that. Um, I just uh, got a inventory report. I think it was Saturday they sent me, and uh, we're ahead of orders at the moment, and that's good. Fantastic. The, the factory is um, that six thousand square foot factory. They're fitting that out for the assembly lines, and we've finished all the legal and filings and stuff that we have to do. <laughs> what a what a nightmare. Of, of course. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, folks, EMP, the EMP Shield, uh, uh, you've got to check it out. And I'll tell you something. What an investment to protect your home, your business, your boat. There it is. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to um, the EMP Shield. Read all about it. Of course, uh, helping Stan and Holly helps us. We're all in this together and keeping your equipment safe. So, uh, there's, there's one thing I want to address on that too. Sure. That, you know, Doug, the, um, our, our unit hooks into the, uh, the electric power line in your fuse box or your breaker box. We hook in right there to get any of these EMP pulses, electric pulses coming down the power line and dump them down into the ground so they don't get into your house. But there are two components of an EMP, uh, a nuclear EMP attack or explosion. Uh, the, the first one is the the current that's induced in the power lines, and it comes to your house. And the second is a wave, an electromagnetic wave that can be up to one gigahertz frequency, all kinds of frequencies in between. It comes sweeping through your house, and uh, you know our device will uh, protect, as, as we we said in our, our brochures. Um, it's it's made for areas that are ten thousand square feet or less, because of the wire length that we calculate from the the uh, fuse box to the various uh, protected instruments in your home, devices, motors, whatever. And when this wave comes in, it's going to hit those areas. And so we we know that about a 250-foot length to 500-foot length of wire from the fuse box out to the the maximum part of your house um, will uh, help us to transmit that that wave that comes in, convert it to electricity, and throw it over to our power box and shunt it. Tim and I have been uh, working, you know, this week uh, with the, the uh, a division of the Department of Defense that have a mill spec that you don't hear about too often over some nuclear tests that were done uh, in the past and what got damaged and what didn't. The interesting thing about this report is you can find it listed uh, all over the Internet, but there's only a summary page about it, and in, in red letters it says classified. You You can't read it, but it's something that we needed to know about the timings and the frequency range of that that wave component, um, we're getting close. We're we're kind of trading emails with uh, two departments at the moment and said, look, we don't want to break security, but 
you know, can you tell us this, this, and that uh, in general, which is what we want to know about the effect of this wave. Um, and, and I think they'll probably do it, but it is interesting. We've we've certainly had to put our heads together and do some head scratching about this. I do think that there will be some older radios or things that don't have metal shields in them. You know, when they make them, they put a, a metal plate over the circuits and stuff, and they do it to, I think it's... Uh, was it Article 15 or something of the FCC uh, rules, uh, Federal Communications rules, that say you have to have all your computer stuff made with these, you know, uh, flat metal uh, shields so that none of the frequency, none of the high frequency that's generated by the, the digital components can get out and make noise to other devices or, you know, ruin things. So by the same token, these sheets, these, uh, well, they're, they're like a Faraday cage wrapped around your, your circuit board. These things are like the Faraday cage, and they need to ground. And so that's why I think that it's probably wise for things that you want to protect in your house, you know, that have those kind of shields, to plug them in uh, to the wall so they're connected to our shield at the box. Um, you know, there may not be room for you to do that all the time, but that would be a suggestion I, I put out there to people who have the shield already and are, are going to get it soon. Okay, I'm through. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stan, I know there's great interest in, in your product, and we try to send you all the questions that we, we do get about it. As my, uh, my dad just said, we got, we got a question the other day in the Actually, studio. Yeah, did you, did you answer it? it? <laughs> I didn't see that one, so you probably have a few more coming your way. But, uh, oh, just a yes. <laughs> fantastic product. I mean, um, it's amazing. It's great to see, uh, what you've been able to do and put it together and that the, the response from, the people who want this out there, it, it seems like uh, you, know, you hit a home run with this, Stan. Well, we hope so. Uh, you know, it uh, doesn't, there's not much time between now when they're going to need it to get it out, and that was one of our concerns is that, is that we wouldn't be able to get it to enough people soon enough. There is a a rumor that came my way, and uh, it came uh, to another one of the radio hosts in the last uh, 10 days, I believe it is, that the the army uh, well the army and the marines are all being set up put in position for uh, we'll be at war with North Korea by the first of March. Now the, the source I had was fairly fairly trustworthy and accurate. We've dealt with them before, um, and I could only think this: it may be saber rattling by the Trump administration letting this leak out to these sources saying let it leak and the North Koreans will see this and maybe they'll behave and we won't have to do it on the other hand it may be that it leaked and it shouldn't have and we're about to go to war with North Korea and in that case if you look over at um, slide 48 alright slide 48 right you got it um, we're working on that right now. For, for those listening on BTR, if you go to HagmanReport.com, there you can find the graphics. All right. So slide 48, we're working on that as we speak. Stand by. There it is. Oops. Oh. Is, is that the Nat, Nat Geo? No, that's the Nat, the Nat Geo was the one we were just looking at with the uh, magnetic pole flip. Okay. It'll Unless have a big, second big one. black headlines. It says North Korea may be only months away from ability to strike U.S. with nuke. Nope. All right. It would be, um, Eric would be two down, three down on the left. Oh, 49, 49. Sorry. 
49. Yeah, 49. I knew that. I knew that. And there was a bill, January 23rd, 2018, U.S. Congress proposes bill to ban a preemptive strike against North Korea. If we, we were talking about the, the all the rhetoric and the stories yeah. recently about a potential preemptive strike. And last week or two weeks ago now, lawmakers tried to put forth a bill that would uh, prevent Trump from launching a nuclear or any kind of preemptive first strike on Korea. And my question as well, in the, to, to hop on to Joe's, didn't, wasn't Schmidt just in North Korea? Or, or am I wrong on that? The, the, I don't know. Okay. But, but I don't know. all right, regardless, let's go to uh, slide 49. Disarmament official North Korea may be only months away from ability to strike U.S. with nuke. We've been hearing about this. And, you know, but there's been conjecture about what the two satellites that North Korea has orbiting the planet uh, is armed with. Do, do they have the ability at that altitude, it would be effective, to um, make it turn into a nuclear EMP, just blow up the satellite. It's got a bomb on it. Um, it passes over the United States, I think it's twice a day in its uh, normal pattern. Uh, and if that's the case, you know, we'll have a lot of problems. We'll need those EMP shields. You, you, if if the Trump administration, if you put yourself in his position, you've got this little fat boy, the rocket man, threatening, 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 taunting him. It's like poking the, the, the dragon in the eye. You know, come get me. Um, and he wants the, the United States to do that, to make the first strike, so that the rest of the world will say, oh, look, America's being, you know, aggressive and... Uh, attacking that little country, we better go defend them. And so Russia and China will use that excuse and go over and pound the crud out of the United States. But on the other hand, if we do nothing, then the little rocket man goes ahead in a month or so and throws his nukes at us and and hurts us. Uh, You know, it's like saying, let them hit you in the eye with a brick first, and then you can see if you can fight back. Uh, It's a hard job. It's a hard decision. Well, you know, it, what really, um, what's really interesting is we have the Olympics, which is to me, so we, we saw, uh, Kim Jong-un and North Korea and South Korea kind of come together, unprecedented, putting together a women's, a joint women's hockey team. Many people believe that this was some, this is some kind of, uh, maneuver in order to pull some kind of stunt at the Olympics, which I really don't believe would happen. I don't believe he would be stupid enough to do that, especially when, you know, half the, the world is ready to, to pull the trigger, uh, to take him out with, with the way his rhetoric and is and, and how, uh, crazy they, they seem. But I don't know. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. And a preemptive strike on North Korea is also not out of the realm of possibilities, I believe, because of the rhetoric, because of the threats, the continued, uh, development of the nuclear program and the, uh, you know, missile tests that uh, have been sanctioned by the international community. I don't know. Right. You know, this is not something that uh, anybody should be in a rush to see happen or be cheering for. Yet at the same time, it's something, it's a situation that's very serious that does need to be dealt with sooner than later. But how do you do so uh, with minimal damage? Or can you do so with minimal that's, damage? I mean, that's the, the, the problem. That is, what do they call it? Conundrum or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. you, Damn if you do, damn if you don't. Um, um, you know, political, you know, diplomatic solutions, I just don't think are going to work. Um, not with that guy. No. Uh, 
and you know, Stan, uh, I don't mean to interject or interrupt. Are, are we looking at, and, and this is kind of thinking out of the box, are we, are we looking at kind of the neocon infrastructure that is already in place within the deep state behind Donald Trump? In, in other words, I, I guess what I'm saying is, are we seeing some of the old Bush people in the Department of Defense, or as they used to call it, the War Department, maybe kind of lining up to see this being pushed mm-hmm. to war for, um, you know, push war for uh, between... Uh, I don't even know if I asked that question properly. I think I understood that, but look at the stock market fluctuations. Which stocks are, you know, rebounding very quickly, and which ones have just risen exponentially since Trump took office? Are they uh, weapons manufacturer? Look and see. Ooh. Ooh. Well, you know, this is what's what's interesting to me. When we saw the the reasons that... um, either the Bush administration or the Obama administration have used to enter into conflicts. Well, we can do uh, Obama in the Middle East, whether it's Libya or Syria. They have these excuses, you know, humanitarian crises, and, um, you know, the leader is a dictator and he's hurting his own people. North Korea is the biggest slave state in the whole world. They have kept their people prisoners, starved for decades upon decades. If there was ever a real re- humanitarian crisis reason, to invade or start a war with another country, I would say that North Korea, you know, fits that bill more so than Syria or Libya or Egypt or any of these other places ever have. Uh, and yet we, we see nothing. But at the same time, um, North Korea has, you know, there's these proxy wars. You have the China. Many people believe that North Korea only does the bidding of China and that any conflict with North Korea with the, in the U.S. will bring China and Russia into the conflict. So there is so much, there, there's so many angles to this. There's so many things that we have to uh, pay attention to. But I would say that a preemptive strike by the United States would be a terrible move as far as strategy goes. But do you wait for North Korea to, uh, you know, hit something with, with the missile or possible nuclear missile? Um, do you take that chance? So this is the, as you said, the conundrum, the problems that we are up against when we're looking at this conflict. And not to switch too far away from this, but I see on your show images page, um, Mohammed bin Solomon, the most powerful leader in the Middle East. That's a pretty interesting stand from where we were a year ago. Yes, he's made a meteoric rise to power. Uh, you called consolidating. it. Well, yeah. Good Lord kind of led me to it one day when I was reading in the Revelation 13 and just trying to see if there were another way to interpret some of that stuff about 666, number of the man, number of the beast, uh, wisdom, and like somebody tracing a, a, a treasure map that I took those clues and looked in the Bible itself for the interpretation of that uh, cryptic message. And that's how it led me to Solomon, King Solomon, uh, going bad uh, in his life, but, uh, you know, having great wealth. And uh, then I started looking uh, for people named Solomon, Suleimani, which is Afghanistan or Turkish name, and uh, for Solomon. So I started looking and found a lot of them and then weeded them out down to the ones that had power and could have power and ones that could be a prince. And, you know, um, then all of a sudden this, this young fellow just popped out of the news. Mohammed bin Salman. And, uh, yeah. He's, what, sorry. With the, uh, the, the prince over there, I, I can't, 
can never remember this guy's name. The the guy who owns a stake in Twitter, one of the richest uh princes in Saudi Arabia is part of the anti corruption sweep. He's locked up. I think he's worth six billion, seven billion dollars, refusing to pay um what is it Walid, Prince Walid? Uh, I'll find it here, but uh, yeah, I can't remember. I've got so many of those names floating around my mind now that I'm lucky to remember my own. Do we know why he's refusing to pay, and and what the pot, what could happen to him, and and these? Other I don't people? know. Okay. I don't know because some of the holdings he's got are in the United States. You know, obviously mm-hmm. the Twitter thing, whatever. Uh, there may be, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe uh, Trump told him, "I'll get you off. Just keep Twitter going because I got to stay in communication <laughs> with people." <laughs> I, I'm being silly, but uh, I don't know why he's uh, holding back unless he's got somehow gotten information that he's got support out in the country uh, against Mohammed bin Salman. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, this guy, this Mohammed bin Salman, he's um, he's today, in fact, they made an announcement there at slide 53 above that picture of, of uh, uh, MBS there. He is moving Saudi troops onto Tehran Island. And you think, well, okay, what's the story with that? So you click on the read about that. And it's to do with the Egyptian uh, troops. They're, they're kicking out to the island there. Uh, no one is sure legally the position of the multinational force and observers person on the island, but Mohammed bin Salman put military troops that are Saudi troops on the island. So if you uh, read the article, but go back and click on the picture I've got of Tehran Island, and I want to tell you some interesting stuff. When you get that big picture, yeah, you've got it. Yeah, the, yeah. there it is there. You know, I was wondering about the you said this. I was wondering about the significance of this. Well, that's the southwestern tip of Neom, Mohammed bin Salman's new super city, um, and the white line is the outline of his super city. Now, he's casting his tents, his rich tents, as said in scripture, between the two uh, seas, the the Gulf of Aqaba and the Red Sea. And that's where he's casting his tents. He has also surrounded all of the historic places that Moses made with God and the children of Israel at the time of the Exodus when they were there talking to God on the burning mountain. All those yellow pens you see there, if you move your thing down, yeah. All those yellow pens are where it all happened. The golden calf, the Elijah's cave, uh, the split rock uh, that, that, that came to the water. Uh, next to Jabal Olah is the burning mountain that they still call it that today um, and all of that is history <clears throat> and in fact you see the top yellow pin is just outside the white line that's where I, I moved around in 3D and found out where Moses when he was tending his father-in-law's sheep when he first saw the burning mountain where he could have seen it and so I got down at ground level there just like I was him and looked to see what mountaintop I could see with fire coming out of it if it had fire and it was the the neighbor that's connected to Jabal El Laws, and its official name is the the local name is Burning Mountain. And if you look at it, it's burnt. It is really burnt. And I suspect that if the presence of God was as powerful as it says, that His presence, what you know, around Him was burning the surface of that mountain on the top, throwing off stones and rumblings, which you know uh, the children of Israel said it was like trumpeting. Um, but anyway, that's all being surrounded by his new Neom city. And he's guarding the, the Strait of Tehran, down at the lower right, the lower left hand corner, 
so that he can control the, the Gulf of Aqaba and chip and trading in and out of there from that spot militarily. He's doing some interesting, you know, tactical moves, strategic, I guess, but, uh, uh, we gotta watch him. He, he's really moving ahead rapidly. As I said, oh, probably six or seven months ago, his involvement in Yemen with the military conflict down there, um, he learned. Uh, he made mistakes and, uh, he's trying to fix them now, but he learned from that about military moves and, uh, the people's reactions, you know, uh, the resistance and things like that. And then the support from Iran came in to help them in, in Yemen and they started, you know, lobbing missiles at Riyadh where he lives. So he's, he's learned how to, to guard his flanks and he, with now 41 nations in his consortium, you, you gotta watch him like a hawk because you can't trust a thing he says after 3,000, 3,500 years of being mortal enemies of Israel. He's now over there making peace deals and Jared Kushner's been running behind the scenes very quietly negotiating this to get the Palestinians to agree to this and that and yeah, I, it, it's amazing to, to live in this time and be able to put the pieces together. Um, it, to the right of his picture there, there's a slide 51 and you see a, a border wall between Lebanon and uh, northern Israel. In fact, I slept at the kibbutz. It was the prime minister's kibbutz at the time, uh, back in 89, I think it was. And just over that hill, back in those buildings, they killed several hundred Christians in an attack that night, uh, you know, the locals in Lebanon did. And right now, they're they're saying that on the other side of the wall, looking at the uh, Israelis who are in military there, the, the guys in the flags here on the Lebanon side saying, okay, uh, sorry, I was backwards there, that's the Israeli side you're seeing the building. There's one like that down a valley back behind these yellow flags. Uh, they're saying, look, we don't want you to push your oil exploration up this far, you know, in uh, uh, northern Israel, which, of course, would be a great place to tap into the oil that is talked about, uh, the, the, the toe of Asher. Um, and so they're saying that they're going to attack Israel if they continue pushing for this oil exploration up close to their border because they'll be stealing their oil, even though it's on the Israeli side. It just at yeah. it, it flashpoint. Just at flashpoint. Yeah, and this is something, Stan, that you've been talking about uh, for a while with the, you know, the drilling of the oil and the different countries that have issues with Israel drilling because they say it'll be stealing from their wells or their reservoirs. And, uh, you know, it's, it always seems to be a problem. If, if you don't mind switching gears, Stan, I wanted to make sure we talk about this. Did you see the SpaceX shuttle launch today? No, I was going to, but I got carried away doing something else. Well, I wasn't <laughs> expecting to watch it. And uh, I had on uh, the news, and, and I was sitting there with my wife, and we saw it come on TV, and it was awesome to watch. But what was really cool about this was after the uh, – it was the most powerful uh, launch ever, the most powerful mm-hmm. rocket. And after the uh, it, it got out of the atmosphere, the two detachable burners were detached. And what they did was they came back down, no parachutes, nothing, just some thrusters, and uh, landed. Right on, uh, really. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. You're talking about something going 20,000 miles an hour into the sky, flying up there for, you know, three, five minutes till you're getting out of space. They detach the boosters. The boosters come back down and land on like a 10 by 10 pad perfectly. And then controlled descent of the booster rockets, right? Never seen nothing like it. Yeah. Okay. They say it's going to. Yeah, he's been testing. Sorry, they say what? It's going to revolutionize. If, if the SpaceX continues to be successful like it was today, 
that it's going to revolutionize the uh, space travel, the ability for space travel. Yeah, if you want to use these controlled chemical reactions or nuclear thrusters and stuff, but that's still limited. They need to need to anti-gravity craft that can go a lot faster. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Well, you, you know, we, we'd have put you in charge of the program, Sam. It'd be nice. The anti-gravity <laughs> program, yeah. The, you got to watch these things come back down because uh, that was. I mean, we've we've all seen uh, things get is that launched. coming down now. No, this this is being launched right now. But when it comes back down, um, it's something else because I, I I don't know how to explain it. I was amazed watching it. They live. were afraid that those they were afraid that the boosters uh, would get hit by ice cake, uh, flaking off at the top of the uh, main missile and uh, damage ripped them. I see that. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. You know, I don't know, Stan. I long for the days of the Saturn program, but that's just me. The, the yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've I've stood next to that when it was laying you know, sideways at uh, at the Houston NASA. It's it is big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was just something about the time. I mean, maybe it's the time as opposed to the actual, uh, uh, you know, rocket. But but I got to tell you, it's just. Uh, uh, would it would the time to be alive then and of course now? But yeah, I agree. Is this with you. the is this uh, rocket uh, or the payload on it? Is that the one that has the Tesla mini car? You're going to put in I have a YouTube up right now. It's a red tes- Tesla Roadster with a <laughs> dummy in it in an astronaut suit, and it's 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 the funniest thing to see. There's a camera on it right now, and you just see but, this guy in a, in a convertible in space, and he's. The Earth and the 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 globe is behind them. There it is. Yeah, it's on, oh. it's on the monitor right now. Right. <laughs> I see that. I see that. I don't know. Maybe he's going to go to Mars and have his own rover program. Well, Stan, he think could... of this. If there's another Earth out there, and we launch this this roadster into space, what happens if this turns into a meteor and crashes another Earth? And and uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, responsible. That's a off. That, that's the, <laughs> oh my the nearest goodness. Earth could, would be what uh, twelve light years at least, if not more, and uh, it won't happen in our lifetime unless they go to gravity craft. Well, I heard those tef- those roadsters are pretty quick. Yeah, oh, my word. One of our one of our customers on the EMP Shield has a, a Tesla uh, electric car, and they've got a solar array that feeds the battery bank that uh, recharges his uh, Tesla car, and of course. Unlike everybody else, when the, an EMP strikes, and even though they save their cars and you know they can still drive them, they won't have fuel because the gas stations don't have electricity to pump the gas. But the guy with the Tesla just goes out and turns on the battery bank and charges it up, and the sun recharges battery bank, and he's happy as Larry driving around in these electric cars. So there is some wisdom to having an electric car like that. Just not on Interstate, you know, seventy-five or whatever, in my view. But but I I guess I get it. But 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 you know to to your point, you mentioned anti-gravitic technology. Wouldn't it? Uh, and again, forgive me if I'm off base on this, but um, anti-gravitic technology wouldn't it work as well on ground transportation? It, 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 or am I off on the physics? Oh, you of the could thing? do that. You could do that. We could get rid of roads and and rail lines because. Uh, like locomotives with uh, an electrogravitic craft, once you establish the field that puts it at a certain altitude, then all you got to do is use energy to push it sideways. And uh, because the field is a is recirculating through the craft and, and the crew like this, actually going like that, it's pushing the air around it like that. And in in doing that kind of entrainment propulsion, 
you don't have a lot of resistance to your passage through the air, so you can get much higher speeds for less energy, and the energy is basically stored in the moving donut, that field that penetrates the craft. At least the ones I'm familiar with. But, uh, yeah, uh, we could have homes in really neat places where you just hop in your little craft and zip to town, you know, 40, 50 miles away or even further. It'd be Interesting. Nice. Well, I, I, earlier today I was reading a book on anti-gravity and I just couldn't put it down. Were you? Are you pulling my leg? He's yeah. pulling your leg. Did you, did, did you see <laughs> what I did there? Put it, you see down. what I did there? I see. Yeah, okay, I know right. that hand move. <laughs> I just couldn't put it down. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, another quick thing on uh, slide 52. Uh, China is definitely, you know, becoming a serious threat to our marine operations. They're putting in uh, test artificial intelligence guidance systems for submarines. So, in other words, the pilot, their hands are off the controls, and they can have underwater battles of the control of the computer and the artificial intelligence, trying to figure out what the enemy is doing, which would be us probably. Um, and if you've ever watched the the the, the uh, World War Two naval battles, you know, with submarines underneath, the, you see one guy say, "Well, we're going to go underneath him, go quiet, uh, let some oil go to make him think he got us," and you know all those kind of tricks. Is the AI going to be able to do that? Maybe they'll program all those kind of tricks into it, and it'll it'll outthink our guys on, in underwater battles and take us down. It's uh, just another one of the things the Chinese are way ahead of us on. You can yeah. see it there. Mm. Yeah. Um. Interesting, and many people wonder uh, about the artificial intelligence and, and where that will take us in the future. And then you talk about the weaponization of uh, different AI uh, techs and capabilities, and it's very frightening and alarming. And, and it, sky is the limit as far as what evil can be created with that type of technology. And, you know, I, it, it sounds funny, but you can have a psychotic artificial intelligence because if two or three programmers are working on it. One may give a command that says, in this case, do that. And the other may give a command that says, oh, that's wrong. And it'll yeah. get in a logic dilemma. And that can happen with these complex systems. That's a new job. Uh, yes. Um, a, a psychoanalyst for artificial intelligence. Hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, anyway. Well, what kind of resume, resume do we need? Uh, I just want to say this real quick before I forget it. I was on Coast to Coast. The, the night you were on, I, I did the, a news segment, and it was really cool to hear um, hear the promotion for you in, in, in the break section. But I apologize. I just wanted to, to, to mention that. It was, it was really neat. Uh, the, the promo for you on Coast to Coast AM was just fantastic. So What did they say I didn't hear? Oh, uh, um, join. Uh, it was really a complimentary promo, and I, I can't remember the exact terminology, but uh, it was George Norrie's voice and saying, join us with the legendary Stan Dale. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was like a 30-second really cool wow. uh, uh, promo. And, again, th- this is... Um, I, I don't know if it was if it went out in syndication or what, but it's just really neat. So well, thanks for telling me. I, I usually like for this show and for for those shows. I I'm right up to the minute where we start. I'm adjusting things, thinking about this and that, how we're going to do this, and so I don't hear uh, a lot of that until the the uh, board op over there at Coast or you know whatever here punches me through. So I don't hear that foreground stuff. But that was very kind of me to do that. I mean, he asked all the right questions. He really did. I was just uh, amazed because I had to give a list of questions that right. producers say, and they told me, you know, to to uh, steer away from certain topics because they didn't want to talk about it. And I said, okay, fine. And but 
But George did it anyway, so I just hit along. <laughs> yeah, he, he goes off script quite a bit, but uh, just to, yeah, well, that's fun. Just to let you know, Eric found the video of the uh, the boosters being uh, landing uh, remote control from the SpaceX launch today. So, Eric, if you want to throw that up on the up on the screen, I want you guys to see this because I don't Pretty know, Stan, that this is something that's ever happened before. This is the the boosters coming back down to Earth remotely and landing all oh, in the that looks like something out of the 1950s sci-fi movies where I the landing pods come in I've never seen Brilliant. nothing like it so yeah, these two yeah. rockets launched with with the rocket on the SpaceX launched this uh, uh, into outer space at about 20,000 miles an hour the boosters detached who knows how high in the air miles and miles and with precision and in sync come back down and land like ten feet away from each other, it's pretty awesome. Well, the it is awesome, and the the only reason we have to do that is because we're using brute force to get a uh, payload up into orbit. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you could just gradually wind up a field and climb up slowly like that, you know, gravity is all the way up there, and you could just gradually get up to orbit, and you wouldn't have to use these horrendous brute force reactions because the, the gravitic fields actually open up the field ahead of them like that and they store the energy in the field of their craft and uh, then coming down you just kind of take your time and wander around and come down and have a picnic but when you're doing brute force the way they're doing it uh, you have to dot the I's across the T's on your launch uh, vehicle so it, my hat's off to them that was really quite impressive yeah I gotta tell you it was a, a treat for me because we were just watching the uh, the launch of this and I had not known that this was even happening today. It was just kind of by happenstance that I came up, came upon it. And as I'm watching this, you know, in a few minutes into it, and you have these rockets, um, usually don't they just fall into the ocean and they're retrieved later? But these yeah, things, they have a know, parachute on them or something, slow them down and come to the ocean. They got a GPS tracker and they go pick them up. Yeah, I was I was surprised when I saw those things uh, come back down to Earth and land the way they did. That was uh, that was something else. That was a learning experience for me. But didn't reason. it remind you, though, of the of the uh, uh, early, well, early 60s, late 50s sci-fi movies where they had the, the spaceship with those legs that come out like that, and they'd always land, and people come down the ladder, and then climb back up the ladder and take off. See, I mean, just Dan, look, just like Joe's too young What's the for 1960s? that. Yeah, he's too young for that. I remember uh, that. You know, I, okay, I remember I it. Uh, but but <laughs> you're right, though. That did, it did have connotations of, of the 50s, 60s sci-fi stuff. Yeah, I like that. It was good. Uh, just a quick thing here. We're getting close to the hour here. Uh, slides 55 through 57 are all going to the same site, but it's uh, kind of really neat LIDAR photography that they did through the the trees of, of the jungle there in Guatemala, and they found a whole city and civilization. There's 60,000 hidden ruins, uh, and you can see in slide 50 what the land looked like to the left and to the right when they took the LIDAR which goes underneath the vegetation and, and maps out the city and the, you know, pyramid structures and whatever. And over on the right there in slide 56, you see, if you, if you click on that, you'll get a bigger image. You click on the picture there and you can see all these little settlements and structures and buildings that they see with the LIDAR that are invisible unless you have this, uh, vegetation penetrating frequency. And then in the next slide there at 57, uh, you can see these all on the main site, but, uh, you see how they, they can get into the structure from various angles in 3D because they've mapped it all. They probably used drones to do this, but it's such an incredible discovery 
Uh, I look forward to seeing what else they can find down in South America and many of the countries there that relate to the older civilizations. And then, Very are we, are we, are we hitting the thing? Uh, I think we are. Oh, we're yeah, we're, the theme, we're, we're out of time. Yeah. And you got 15 seconds free. Anything you want to punch or push, I should say? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> uh, if you get time, look at image 54. It's four pages I took out of Bullinger's book about the Sphinx and why it is the connecting head of the, the Virgo and the lion, uh, to complete the zodiac. And it was a message about the, the birth of Jesus and then his kingship coming back. Interesting thing. Very interesting. Stan Dale from standale.com. Thank you so much, Stan. It was a pleasure, pleasure as always. Thank you. See you both. guys. All right. That will do it for us tonight. We will be back tomorrow. Doug Hagman Radio Show 9, the Hagman Daily Show 2 to 3, and then back here at 7 for the Hagman Report. Have a great night.